So last week we were talking about uh, 48 hours and, and uh, we had mentioned in passing at the end of the episode that uh, <laughs> that Nick Nolte had been up for the part of Superman at one point or had been one of the names on the list. Right. And, and the, you know, and like you said, Stallone was up. Right? Every every name in Hollywood was up for that. Um, but so I'm watching this documentary about the making of Superman last night. And uh, Richard Donner is recounting the story of how he got the job and how uh, he got the call from Alexander Salkind while he's literally si- sitting on the toilet uh, on a Sunday morning. And he says, I remember it so vividly. Uh, he started spouting details at me and he said, uh, I'll give you a million dollars, two movies. Uh, you got Brando, you got Hackman. Like, here's the day they can start. It was like the shoot dates that they were available. And he said he had a business card from a hairdresser sitting on the bathroom sink and a pencil nearby. He grabs it. He's on the ball. He starts jotting down these, you know, these few details. And he's like, that's the phone call that changed my life. Great story, right? And then they show the card. They show the little business card. It's all weathered now from 1970, whatever. And and the one thing that's on the card that he did not mention in the interview, and I've seen this before, but I never noticed that under Brando and Hackman, there's like a scribble. And then underneath that, it says Nick Nolte. So he was... <laughs> He was farther than we all think. I mean, he was like, like when it was pitched to the director, to the guy who ended up making it, Nolte was the name. Like, maybe Nick Nolte as Superman. And so it's crazy. I didn't realize how close he had actually come. And then I found if you if you dig deep on YouTube, you actually can find his uh, his audition tape. You know, they have a lot of the Christopher Reeve screen tests on right. YouTube with Margot Kidder and all these other people, Ann Archer and all these other people who are up for Lois yeah, Lane. Yeah, Dr. Channing's on Yeah, there. but you did never see anybody else auditioning for the part of Superman. It's a, I mean, you got to look deep, but there's this clip from, I know it's your favorite sequence, Fred. Um, yeah. From the, from the Can You Read My Mind sequence. And I, so here's a little bit wow. that I found on YouTube. Can you read my mind? Damn, who the hell's talking to me? Is that the worm at the bottom of the bottle again? Do you know what it is that you do to me? Why, well, I touch you round back sometimes. I don't know who you are. I'm Roscoe's friend. I have a coffee can and a jelly jar around here somewhere, goddamn. Just a friend from another star. Is that the name of the hotel I slept behind? Here I am, like a kid out of school. I'm not allowed within 50 yards of one of them. Holding hands with a god. Well, it's moist right now. I'm a fool. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but... Will you look at me? Why? Quivering. Well, that's interesting. Like a little girl, shivering. Shit, you're getting cold. You can see right through me. No, but there's got to be a knife around here somewhere. Can you read my mind? Well, that'll be $15 and a bottle of Ripple. Can you picture the things I'm thinking of? A bear in a clown costume making pancakes? No? Okay, uh, best two out of three. Wondering why you are... Yeah, started with a goddamn Big Bang. All the wonderful things you are. Doctor, lawyer, smurf. You can fly. What about it? You belong in the sky. I got ID. You and I... could belong to each other. Like in the toy? You need a friend. I got Roscoe here. I'm the one to fly to. Yeah, I like where you're heading with this. If you need to be loved. Oh, damn, you know I do, sweetheart. Here I am. 
Oh, you mean you. Read my mind. That's a great way to open. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to set it up that way. That's oh good. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's a good way to Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Look. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's episode 29 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that wages a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa, and this week we suit up in our capes, our cowls, and our cod pieces, and fly around the earth, turning back time until we find ourselves revisiting December 15th, 1978, and the granddaddy of all big screen comic book adaptations, Superman the Movie, starring the virtually unknown Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder, as well as the very well-known and very well-paid Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman. We'll also pay spandex-laden tribute to our favorite superhero movies of all time with our individual top ten lists. But before we believe a man can fly, where were you little boys in December of 1978? I was six years old and going into first grade and apparently I talk like Bill Cosby. <laughs> Rudy! <laughs> I don't know why that came out. Rufy? Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I was six years old. I was in first grade with Mrs. Gordon, who was my favorite teacher. She was also my second grade teacher. And, you know, akin to what we were talking about last episode, this was all, you know, gearing up for the holidays. And mm -hmm. you know what happened this year? The no, Star what? Wars Holiday Special. <gasps> yes! Oh, wow. I was high on that. I mean, this was this yes. was all about Star Wars because this was the year that I got my first. I mean, we're talking about toys in the Sears catalog last episode. And yeah. this was the year that I got my very first Star Wars toys for Hanukkah. Because I'm and I still have I have my original land speeder. But yeah, this was the Star Wars holiday special right. year. Oh and wow. I remember I think I have a new number one because I consider itchy. <laughs> Look, I think we, I, I really I do think, it. I think we should do this. I think that's what we should do next week for the holidays. I think we should do a deep there dive into the Star that's Wars brilliant. holiday special. Star that's Wars brilliant. holiday special. That's brilliant. And the Golden Sheilas. There we go. There we have it. Maybe that's what yep. we do. I know it's, it's off our it's, purview. It's off our purview, exactly. Yeah, but it's but the holidays. I, I, and, uh, it, it, it deserves it. And we, we deserve that treat. But yeah, this was, but what was funny, I mean, we'll talk about this more. I only remember a small section of what, I mean, I remember watching it. I mm -hmm. remember vividly, sure. but I only remember a good 20 minutes, which <laughs> I, and I think there might, there was a reason for that, which we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, cause whoo boy, if you it's haven't seen it. baffling, that's why, cause you're going. I think my, my childhood brain might've uh, just shut off and pushed <laughs> yes. certain things out. Cause then we watched it uh, again I don't know. Were you there, Dan? I know we watched it at Dan's I... house. Oh, sure. was it Dan's it place? It was at Dan's place in Jersey, and I yeah. had the bootleg. 
You're right. And it was it was amazing because watching it, someone was like, oh, it's two hours long. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not two hours long. <laughs> it stretched and, it out. And that was the thing. All these things came up and I had no recollection. I remembered certain parts, the parts that my six-year-old brain wanted to remember. Right, I mean, it was right. almost like, it was like I was <laughs> Dudley with, Miss, you know, with, uh, with oh, Gordon no. Jump oh, in the bike God. shop. It was like I pushed out. All the, the awful stuff. No. You know, I remembered what I wanted to remember, but oh God. But anyway, we'll talk oh about God. that. But yeah, this was- it's The first uh, time I remember being disappointed. as Like a true sense of like, oh, the, right. the, my, my, my heroes pulled a fast one on me. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was me in, in, uh, around this time, six years old, and just, just getting all my, my Star Wars toys for the mm-hmm. first time. And, and into superheroes as well, or no? No, I don't. I mean, I think I was. I got, I mean, you know, what what little boy at that time didn't love superheroes? I'm sure I had my my Superman and my Spider-Man. I know I I definitely had like a little Hulk toy. I don't remember what it was, but I had had the Hulk blow up muscles. We talked about that once. Oh, yeah. But I didn't really get into comic books or anything like that. I mean, the Saturday morning cartoons. You know, well, the, that's um, where I was headed, Fred. Is yeah, the Saturday super morning friends. The oh, school. god, yeah. yeah, super friends, challenge of the super friends, banded oh. together like all of that. Oh, was yeah, happening yes, in yes, a, yes, such yes, a big right. way. That show and the 60s show that would come on sometimes after school, and you'd be like, race at least I would be racing 60s. home to watch yeah. to see if it was going to be either Spider Man yep. or. Uh, Hulk or God forbid the Submariner. <laughs> there was or a Submariner show. The, it was it was called Red. the Marvel Superheroes Hour yep. or whatever, and it was like little ten minute cartoons. And yeah. Submariner was one of the characters that they would do little yeah. little episodes of. And when Submariner would come on, you'd go get a snack because you'd be like, I fucking <laughs> hate this. <laughs> and if it was anyone, every once in a while, you'd get an Iron Man. Yeah, you get Tony Stark. The Incredible Hulk TV series started right um, like a month or so before the greatest, this. the greatest, still the greatest show. The yeah, Incredible that was great. Hulk, so good. And Wonder Woman was on. Superheroes were big at this they time. Were big. They started to get into the consciousness. Both as cartoon and live action. Yeah, yeah. Superman was the first to like to be like a movie, like a major motion picture with money behind it that had a budget that you could see on the screen. That right. is that was the the big uh, uh, revolutionary shift. But yeah, but in yeah. terms of like uh, our consumption of it, they they were all over TV at that point. Who yeah. was your favorite super friend? Oh, that's a good question. Mine was Aquaman, and my mom really? made yeah, which was weird. My my mom made, and I don't know why, but she made me. A shirt. It was, I mean, it was a pink shirt and she painted Aquaman on it and it was my favorite shirt. Oh, wow. And I remember years ago when Kate and I first started dating, we were walking in Urban Outfitters and they were selling, and I still have it. It was a green Aquaman shirt and mm-hmm. I froze in my tracks oh. and I was like, I'm sorry, I need to buy that. And she was like, I, are you an Aquaman fan? Oh. I'm like, no, but I was. <laughs> and that was my favorite shirt as right a kid. Back. I had an affinity for the flash for some reason. I really liked oh. the flash. Oh. And I think I know why is because I was so such a slow runner. I couldn't really, I had a problem. I had such oh. flat feet. I was such mm. a slow runner and I loved the flash whenever he, whenever he would do something on super friends. I thought that, I thought he was great the other thing that was uh, now would spider-man have been showing up occasionally on electric company as well in this yes. era 
Mm-hmm. That and was he was, always a he treat. was on all the time. Yeah, that was that, that was, was probably my a treat. That was probably my intro. I don't know. I had so much. I had comics. I had toys. I can't remember. You know, I talked okay, about so you it were in into my, comics at this time. Yeah, I was into comics. I was getting comics. Wow. Okay. At that time. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't a collector and I didn't read anything regularly, but I would, you know, that was like the treat. You go to the stationery store and they had the, the rack of comics yeah. and, you know, pull up, you know, and I, I was a fan of, I, I call it the big, the big four, right? So Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Hulk, that was to me were like, the, yes. because they, they were yeah. the most prominent. And of course, Wonder Woman was as well. But yeah, those four characters, two DC, two Marvel, yep. perfect. And they were all like big presences on, you know, they all had their own TV series too, you know, and, uh, yeah. Not just the animated shows, but obviously they all had live action things that you could watch after school. Like you say, like the old George Reeves Superman, the old Adam West Batman. Oh, the Adam West Batman was always on. That was every single day. Every single day. That was huge for me. I feel like the Adam West Batman might have been my first like superhero thing that I was, you know, that I was into or excited by. Mm -hmm. And then Spider-Man on the Electric Company. Those things were the best. Those little snippets. They were so fun. This was the Christmas I remember so vividly, Christmas of 1978, still my favorite, you know, Christmas Eve that I can remember opening toys. I had gotten the the foot tall uh, 12 inch Spider-Man and Hulk figures that they had yes. been commercials on mm-hmm. TV for them. And I was like, you know, I had all the little Mego action figures, the whatever they were, eight inches, six inches, whatever. But oh, then this the was Mego like, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And these Spider-Man like and Hulk and were Superman, also Mego, had- but they made big, they started making these bigger versions of, uh-huh, of all of them. They had okay. Batman and Superman too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting those for Christmas and those are probably still to this day, my favorite Christmas presents I've ever received. And that's yeah. Spider-Man and Hulk and I would carry them around. They were like my security blanket. I'd take them to school. I had I had my <laughs> name great. written on the bottom of Hulk's foot, you know, like, oh. like Woody and Toy Story. It had my name on it. And I, oh, my God, oh my God. I love those toys. All right. So that was Christmas of 78. I can tell you everything about, like I say, everything was leading up to Superman, 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 because I was obsessed yes. with Electric Company, obsessed with all the superhero shows. I, I had gotten... Um, I had that year, I had my lunchbox was a Superman lunchbox that I brought yes. to school, but it was a Superman the movie lunchbox. I didn't know. It didn't say Superman the movie. It just said Superman. But all the paintings on it, all the images, oh. I only realized it after. It was like it was like something out of the Matrix or a Christopher Nolan movie. I, I go to school every day with this lunchbox. And then I see the movie after several months. And then I look at my lunchbox in a whole new way. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Those are the actors. Wait, 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 wait. That's Jackie <laughs> Cooper. <laughs> you know, so I mean, he was on there. There was a scene from the Daily. I was like, "Wait a second, that's from the movie." In my mind, I was just like, "Oh, that's just a painted image of the Did comic it have book her characters." Car in the chasm yes. on the lunchbox. I remember this lunchbox. Had her car in the chasm. Lunchbox had the little crystal spaceship. Had the Phantom Zone villains. All this shit that I was like, "I don't it's know. Great. That's weird. I don't know what this has to do with <laughs> Superman." But let me have my bologna sandwich now. And then after I saw the movie, I was like, "My reality is shifting." Because I'm like, well, "It's all on my lunchbox." Uh, um, Kids were very big I, Jackie Cooper fans at that time. Why not? I, I, I became one. I became one. I can remember exact the exact moment. Basically, I saw it. It was a Thursday. I still remember it was Thursday, December twenty eighth, nineteen seventy eight, seven p.m. in Huntington, the, a little theater on Wall Street in Huntington called the Shore Quad Theater. At that point, it had four screens. At that point, uh, maybe it used to be like a, a single screen theater or something. And I sat down, me, my sister, my mom, 
And I had, I remember in my lap, I had brought to one of my Christmas gifts in my lap. It was the, it was the origins of Marvel comics. There's like a, a paperback book, the origins of Marvel comics. And I had oh, that wow. and I had been reading that during the day and I had a little Superman book and I had brought that as well. I remember everything about the day. I remember like the morning, it was Christmas vacation. We went to McDonald's for breakfast. It was like, whoa, crazy, oh, big so deal. Awesome. I, I went to visit my aunts and they gave me like this little styrofoam plane that you put together yourself. It was a little thing. And, and then they were like, and then you can decorate it. And I was like, and I drew Superman that on it and I wrote Superman on it. I, did, everything ah. was, it had, I just wrote Superman all over the plane, this little plane that I got. I, remember, I was like, can't wait to go. Can't wait to go. It was like it was like torture waiting to go to the movie theater. I knew it was happening. I can remember like before Christmas seeing a commercial on TV, Superman. I was like, mommy, can we go see that? She's like, we're going to go. We're going to go. I was like, we Aww. are. We have we have a, an appointment to see. Yeah, she's like, no, we'll just go when you're on vacation. What I is the so, day and the time, the exact moment I, was, I will be I need sitting to know. enjoying this? I need this. to wear my, my good pants. And I can remember, I remember sitting in that theater. <laughs> I remember sitting in that theater. And when, it, and there's nothing like the beginning of that, that movie. It blew my mind. I'm sorry. We're getting, I'm getting oh, into it now. So it's we're, it's we're starting to go. So shall we just move into the movie proper? Let's fly into it. All right. Superman, the movie. Just before the destruction of the planet Krypton, scientist Jor-El, played by Marlon Brando, places his infant son Kal-El in a crystalline spaceship and sends him to Earth. Landing in the wheat fields of Kansas, the child is found and raised by kindly farmers Jonathan and Martha Kent, played by Glenn Ford and Phyllis Thaxter. When he reaches adulthood and discovers the origins of his seemingly inexplicable powers on this planet, including unlimited strength and speed as well as the gift of flight, Clark Kent, played brilliantly by Christopher Reeve, moves to New York City's doppelganger, Metropolis, to protect humanity and fight the forces of evil as Superman. In director Richard Donner's first, and technically only Superman film, we'll get to that, the Man of Steel battles the villainous Lex Luthor, played by Gene Hackman, and falls in love with Clark Kent's fellow journalist at the renowned Daily Planet, the spunky and adventurous Lois Lane, played winningly by Margot Kidder. Superman was probably the most hyped movie in history at the time of its release, with its producers Alexander and Ilya Salkind taking out trade paper ads and flying promotional banners over the Cannes Film Festival as early as 1975. Although plagued by infighting between its director and producers as the budget ballooned, mostly due to the film's pioneering flying effects, Superman the movie coalesced remarkably well, becoming one of the biggest critical and commercial hits of the 1970s. The film took in $7.5 million over its opening weekend, en route to a domestic total of $134.4 million, and a worldwide box office of $300.2 million. Fred and Dan, can you read my mind? and see that I was going to ask what you thought of Superman the movie. Did you like this movie, Jason? I can't tell. Yeah. If it was, <laughs> I can take it or leave it. If it was enjoyable. <laughs> it was like, you it know, was enjoyable it had its moments. Man, this was a fun rewatch. Wasn't it, Fred? Well. Oh, no. Oh. Wow, no. No. So, it, no, I, I, I'm saying no because I had to rewatch it twice. Oh. And, and I'm glad I did. Because the first time I rewatched it, first of all, I don't, I don't think I saw this in the theaters. I don't have any recollection. I really, I'm sure I did. I have a vivid memory of seeing Superman two in the theaters. I, I, re, I yeah. remember exactly what, yeah. where I was when I saw that. 
I'm sure I did see this in the theaters. I just don't remember it. I don't mm. remember the experience of it. Wow. Uh, but, you know, I remember seeing it on, we had the VHS tape or the Betamax tape or whatever. I mean, I saw it multiple, multiple times and I always loved it. Uh, there were things even as a kid that sort of took me out of it a little bit. Can you read my mind and what that was? It's a lengthy but, um, segment of the movie. It's yeah, we'll, lengthy we'll, for a we'll, child. We'll, we'll for get a five there. Year old, we'll six get year to old. that. Yeah. But <laughs> so I rewatched it with the kids uh, last week, I think. Great. Not for them. They didn't like it. <gasps> oh, wow. I went in so excited because you're right, Jason. You mentioned that opening sequence, that credit sequence is thrilling. When it starts, I mean, my God. So I was, I was ready. And I hadn't seen the opening in a long time. I didn't remember the black and white thing in the beginning. The black and white thing, it's so cool. Yeah. I was like, what, what is this? I, I have no recollection of that. Yeah, was that always there? Did they put yep. that in? in this no, that was in, that from, was that was in from the theater. That was in, because I remember, I remember watching it and I, I remember it so vividly. And then huh. the curtains, when the yeah, blue the lettering starts coming, part. the curtains mm-hmm. part and open and yeah. and the screen got, in the movie theater, it's like the screen got bigger. It opened up to like for 70 millimeter projection. And I, it blew my fucking wow. mind as a kid. <laughs> and those credits like flying at me from outer space. I mean. And the music. That, oh, almost more than anything. God. And John Williams theme. Incredible. Not just yeah. iconic. Be, be as good as anything he's ever done. Uh, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. It's as good as Star Wars. It's so goddamn good. I almost think the credits are the most. <laughs> It, like if I wanted to watch, like if you want to say, what's your favorite part of Superman in the movie? It, one of the top two or three moments in the movie is yeah. just watching the fucking credits, which are so Absolutely muscular agree. and amazing. Ah, it's, it's the like, same thing I say about, and I shouldn't say this, but I say that about the Lion King all the time. I'm like, the best part is Circle of Life. And after that, you take it or leave it. Right. It's fine. But I absolutely <laughs> agree with you, Jason. They are, it's, they're thrilling. And, you know, it's funny. I think it's because... My kids are used to a different type of superhero movie now. Sure. So one of their first mm. things right off the beginning, they were into it. And then they're like, wow, this credit sequence just keeps going. It keeps going. And I'm like, but it's the over, like, it, because movies don't really do that anymore. It's no. an overture. It's like going to see the Absolutely. overture at, you know, going to see like South Pacific when it first came out. They <laughs> yeah. It yeah. plays through. And if that's not what you, I mean, now <laughs> yeah. movies just start. They they jump into the action. And yeah, you don't get credits until the very end anymore. It's very rare that you sometimes you don't see the title of the movie until after it's all over. It was very exciting, but they were they weren't that into it. Mm. And they really did that affect your enjoyment? Absolutely did. And then what happened was it affected my enjoyment of it. And then I started to do a lot of reading and I and I because I didn't know much about the making of this. I didn't realize there was such all the all this infighting between Donner and the Salkinds and, and yeah. you know, what happened with Superman 2. I was never aware that these two movies were being made at the same time, only until several years ago. And you might yeah. have mentioned that. You know, I didn't realize mm. that. So then I started to yeah, do all no. this reading, and I think that tainted my view of it as well. And then a couple of nights ago, which was upsetting to me because this was such a beloved movie of mine. Right. And I thought, oh, well, mm. maybe it just doesn't, maybe it just doesn't hold up. That's it is what it is. So I rewatched it again like two nights ago. And I'm really glad I did. And I still, there's still issues that I have with it, but mm. it brought me back. And to me, what th- this movie is all about casting, 
the casting is just yes perfect. Yeah. If you if yeah. if I mean Christopher Top Reed is that's it. Margot Kidder is just they're point perfect. blank. Their you know, boom. They're they're great, and it's got such um, an optimism and a sincerity and an innocence. It's whimsical, it's light. It's a real throwback to the you know the original source material, and it really mm-hmm. dawned on me too. I'm like, oh, this is really about Superman and Lois falling in love. You yeah. know that that's such a huge thing. It's it's really about their relationship. And you know, and I feel like they knew that in the casting because if you watch some of those other screen tests of yeah. you know uh, of Leslie Ann Warren and I, Ann Archer and uh, uh, Stalker Channing, they, they're playing the it's like they're they're doing the attitude of Lois Lane without making it about him. And then you watch Margot Kidder's audition, and it's all she is making it all about her feelings for him. And that comes out in the scene. It is a love story. Yeah. Clark said that you're just a figment of somebody's imagination. Like Peter Pan. Clark, uh, who's that, your boyfriend? Clark? Oh, Clark. No, he's nothing. He's just a- Peter Pan, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Peter Pan flew with children, Lois. In a fairy tale. Glenn Ford is barely in this movie. And he makes- such an indelible impact. I mean, yeah. to this oh, day, God. his moment, I mean, that even as a kid, that moment when he just goes, oh, no. Yeah, it's it one of the arm. saddest oh. moments in movie I history. Can't, I can't watch it. I would always think of my grandfather when I was a kid. And I, I mean, I'd oh, watch God. it, but I, it was always the hardest thing to watch my whole life. I would. I, they have one yeah. moment together. One yeah. moment together. Is it showing off and somebody's doing the things he's capable of doing. Is, is no. a bird showing off when it flies? No. No, now you listen to me. When you first came to us, we thought that people would come and take you away because when they found out, you know, the things you could do, and that worried us a lot. But then a man gets older and he thinks very differently and things get very clear. And there's one thing I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. It's so good. Another thing I didn't realize is that right after that, he goes, he goes Fortress of Solitude, and then it's this 12 years of mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. You know, I never put that together. Not so he deny. didn't talk to Ma Kent for 12 years. Yeah. Ma Kent's like, where the fuck is my son? For 12 <laughs> yeah. years. And then yeah. he starts sending her checks from Metropolis. I'm back, and here's money. That I never, I never put that together before. It's great. It's so interesting how when he does leave, you know, that was always, that was the sequence when I was a kid. Krypton fascinated me, and then when we got to Smallville, I love that first scene when they find the baby. I love as much as as hard to watch as it is the scene where the beautiful scene between Ford and Jeff East, and then when yeah, when yeah. Ford passes away, heartbreaking. The night where he wakes up in the night and something's calling to him. You, you don't yeah, know. Yes. They don't spoon feed you. You don't know what's happening. He just wakes up in the middle of the night. They take so much time. He's just something. He just has a feeling. It's like he's an it's like he's an animal. It's like the, the, it, yes. everything's instinct. He just knows something yes. feels different and he has to go explore and he goes into the barn and he uncovers the old ship and he finds that crystal. And we don't really know what's happening, but he's just operating on instinct. Nobody's spoken to him yet. The movie trusts us. The movie trusts us. And we'll get to my, well, I'm not going to preview this. 
because that this has to do with our list. Oh, okay. But this movie trusts us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's put it, that way. it really, you're right. It really, really does. And it, and it does it, it rewards your patience, but it really takes, I mean, I made a note of some of the things yes. that, you know, like that, that, you know, we're before we see Superman as Superman, even for a brief moment, that it's an hour into the movie almost. I mean, you know, it's it's <laughs> right. yeah. it really takes its time. But even when he's talking to his mother and saying, I just have to go, I'm headed north. He doesn't know. It's like a it's like a it's like an animal going to hibernate. It's like a bird flying south. It's all just in his DNA. He doesn't know. It's Nobody's also kind of like a religious calling. It's also like a religious calling. There's so much Christ imagery in this. Yeah. yeah sending yeah, sending exactly. your only son to, you know, to to human to serve humanity. It's yeah. The virgin birth, you know, mock, you know, we never had children of our own. Yes. Never even thought about that. You're right. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. No, it's um, You look at look, the Jew telling you all about I the, know. It's nice. Jesus it warms my heart. You know, this movie does trust us implicitly. It says, okay, you're going to fill in the blanks on this and you're just going to go with it. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's also going to defy some of your expectations that you have built up from the cartoon or the comic or things like that. And it's trusting you to go with that as well. He jumps out of a window and just becomes Superman. You know, he doesn't have to go into a phone booth and take off one outfit and put on another. Right. You know, it's just going to be magically mm. he becomes and he'll go through a revolving door. I love that, too. The revolving door bit. He gets, he gets caught, caught in the revolving door. He can't he can't manage to get through a revolving door. Oh, I didn't door even get that. Kent. And then he goes and becomes yeah. a Superman in a revolving door. It, it, this movie's brilliant. It, it's, it's really, I didn't even get that. That's great. I mean, there's so that good. fantastic moment where he, you know, he's running and he's, he gets to the phone booth and it's the half phone booth. Yeah. That was the, I, now he that's the moment I remember most vividly in the theater, my sister and I laughing like lunatics uh-huh. because that is a joke about the TV show and about, and about um, knowing the comic yeah. and the cartoon. <laughs> Excuse me. That's a bad outfit. What the hell's that? Easy, miss. I've got you. You, you've got me. Who's got you? <laughs> oh, I, I can't believe it. I just, I just cannot believe it. He got her. That's, that's the hardest thing to buy. Just in the the lore and the mythos of Superman is that this guy puts on glasses and now no one knows who he is. Right. And it's mm-hmm. still a little hard to buy. I mean, my kids said that too. They're like, don't, doesn't she realize? And you, you sort of have to, that's just part of the Superman, again, the Superman it mythos. So you have to go into you. that. But it's- Reeve does such a great job yeah. with differentiating the characters the, the magic, you do go with it. The magic moment, the real magic moment, it's when he's in her apartment. It's after the big yeah. flight scene as Superman mm-hmm. and Lois. And then, and then the, the amazing thing is she made a date with Clark Kent. I always forget that it's like <laughs> that he's coming over to go on a date with her. You yeah, know, it's, like, oh, we it's had not a date like tonight. he just showed yeah. up at the apartment like, hey, you want to go out and get a drink? He's like, it's like, oh, well, I've been knocking, you know, it's so funny. And that's and that's Reeve 
showing the duality of Superman and Clark Kent, but but playing with it, like playing with it, like he made two dates. He, Superman, says, I'll come by your I'll come by to give you an interview tonight at eight o'clock. But clearly Clark Kent has also asked her out at the same time. He's like having fun with his own persona in a way because he scheduled two things with the same person on the same night. But he's also doing the, the thing that protects his secret identity. Right, right. It's like right? it's like how yeah. can we both have yeah appointments with you? That's very smart, Dan. But when he is alone in the apartment. She goes to get a sweater and he's alone there on screen for a second. And he takes yeah, off his, moment. he's talking to Clark Kent. And then for a second, he takes off his glasses and he grows yeah. about six inches. You realize yeah. he's, oh, he's got a, a, a slouch that you don't even notice. He just naturally takes up more space. It's amazing. It's like he breathes yes. and he becomes another person. And it's a crazy his chest gets bigger. His he shoulders looks get like broader. a different person. It's not yes. just that he stands up straight. His whole face looks different without the glasses because it's not about the fucking glasses. It's about, you know, when he's Clark exactly. Kent, his his brow is wrinkled and furrowed and worried and he's not confident. And then it just all drains away. And he is he's completely comfortable with himself when he's Superman. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And it's just a and wordless moment that says, oh, I can buy that he walks around the world as this other guy and that people don't put it together yeah. for the purposes of this movie. Yes, they sure. Yeah, yeah. So same features, same color, you know, big guys. But yeah. you're like, wow, how much is in the acting? And that Superman, Cal L, Superman, is a great actor who puts on this whole persona all the time for the rest <laughs> of the world. Right. It's amazing. And his voice changes as well. He gets, oh, yeah. he gets very nasally as Clark Kent. It's a very drastic change and it drops down. But um, the other thing about that scene is that, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jason, he takes off and says, bye. And it's a continuous shot. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't edit. And then they pan over to the front door <laughs> yes. of her apartment and he walks in, which means that unless it's some sort of in-camera trick that they're doing you know uh, a la like hitchcock's rope or something like that to make it seem continuous that's a an actual quick change there oh my god he he he, he goes away he i changes don't think outfits they, I, and then knocks on the door i, don't I can't think imagine they did that I don't yeah think it's i don't possible. think they could have done that but i also don't know don't where know. the cut is i don't know lois there's something i have to tell you i'm really Uh, I mean, I, I was, uh, at first, really nervous about tonight. So fun. You talked about that great, uh, the tracking shot from uh, 48 Hours, that uncut shot last week. And of course, Scorsese mm -hmm. does them all the time. There's a really good There's one in this one. There's one at the Daily Planet. There's it's one like, at the Daily it's Planet. It's not as long as 48. Similar. It's like three minutes or close to three minutes. It's yeah. very impressive. It's the, it's the scene yeah. right before we see him for the first time become yes. Superman in full, but it's fantastic how they move around the city room of the newspaper and all that, all yeah. that stuff. It starts with there's Jackie one Cooper. Shot. Do you see, there's an extra who looks well right in the camera done. though. At one point, yeah, yeah, my I kids think I noticed that. that. You, you oh. almost, it's when Chris, <laughs> it's when that. Clark is going to the elevator and it's like, you can see the guy waiting and you can see that like, he obviously he's got the nod from like the PA uh, like, and go. And he's, he starts to go and he looks right in the camera real quick. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, it's real, sakes. it's real impressive. And the way, and with the elevator, you know, the, the camera, around the scene when he's waiting for the elevator. 
elevators and like he's yeah, like I'm going, going up, yeah, up, yeah, up, yeah. going up 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 and two guys walk by <laughs> like two cool guys walk by and they're talking to each other like you know kind of Tom Selleck macho yeah. men kind of walking through the newsroom and he's like good night <laughs> like Clark Kent says good night to them and they like don't know he's alive it's he's yeah, so small in that moment he's so small mm. Lois isn't listening to him she hands him letters to like put in the mailbox for her no he can't get on the right elevator he tries to go it's in the ladies so, room it's so he just he just keeps striking out it would be like the beginning of your worst night you know you're new to new york city and you're like and then you you <laughs> yes. could see him like just he'd go home and he'd get a tv dinner and he'd watch walter cronkite on the news and he'd you know cry a little bit and then go to sleep <laughs> and then instead he it's the beginning of his most amazing night his coming out party on earth where he like does all these fantastic feats all in one night it's such a great oh, juxtaposition and and I got to say, the Daily Planet stuff, that's what's so interesting about this movie. It starts out as a sci-fi movie on Krypton, mm-hmm. and it's by design, mm-hmm. very much by design. You know, pe- sometimes the critique of this movie is it's very disjointed. It's like three different movies, but they're like, well, that's the story of Superman. It starts yeah. in outer space. Yeah. Then it's in Kansas, like like uh, like a Norman Rockwell painting, and then it's right. in New modern-day New York City. So it's got to have yeah. a different feel. And the New York section, the Metropolis section, makes a hard shift into comedy rat-a-tat-tat you know the 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 front page we're like in the newsroom it's and and so i mean the jokes the first i think the first line that margot kidder says that lois lane says in the movie lois lane in a superman movie how many t's in bloodletting that's her first line in the movie (laughs) there's only one p in rapist yeah Uh it's it's like she's working at the new york post you know we have this idea of the daily planet like it's you know this great metropolitan newspaper it's kind of a tabloid newspaper it's it's like the daily news of the post and it's all about sex and murder and what sells and she can't spell she's like their number one reporter but she can't fucking spell to save her life so she's like i'll leave that detail to the editors it's so <laughs> funny it's so smart and funny and quick and vibrant and and contemporary and then it gets, then it gets funnier because then you get hackman Beatty, and perrine and that comic triumvirate is gold mm-hmm. everything they do is gold i agree with you there are people who who feel like it's too uh too campy broad. too broad that it's like a throwback to the batman series and I get it when it comes to Otis. I get it when it comes to Ned Beatty because he's so dumb. It's hard to believe I that a, a genius so. would keep him around. You know, like, but that's what I kept wondering. But you know what? As <laughs> I say it, so. as I say it, though, no, no so it's his egomania. It, it, Luthor yeah. can't have anybody smart. It's almost like he needs no. to like have a bumbler so he can constantly be saying, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than sure. you. Sure. I mean, the only, I don't know. The, the only stuff with them <laughs> that. I didn't buy this time. That sort of got a little, was the whole convoy scene, how they get in and they change the codes. With Larry Hagman. With Larry Hagman. Yeah. Uh, Vigorous chest. Yeah. Talk about massage. He says, I never, I never caught that before. He says, well, I would start with vigorous chest. Oh, I remember that as a kid because I was like Valerie Perrine. Wow. By the way, I worked with Valerie Perrine. I did a movie with her. Yeah. And the whole time, every was time I'd see her, nice? I'd go, Miss Tessmacher! She didn't like that. But I couldn't, oh, I couldn't help asshole. it. She was very sweet. She was very when nice. When did you work with her? God. I did a movie called, well, now it's called Redirecting Eddie. Don't look it up. It's oh, right. Not, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I remember that. And she that. was in I it. She, she played, my my very good friend Nathaniel was in it, and she played uh, his character's mom in it. And she was very sweet. So I didn't I didn't have any scenes with her, but I was there with her. Did you, know, you we, really say Miss Tessmacher when you saw her? I did say Miss Tessmacher. Oh, you. I had to. I had to. 
This you leave celebrities alone. <laughs> leave them alone. You're always bothering them. For a guy who should know better, you've been, you've been on Broadway for 10 years. You don't know not to behave this way. <laughs> Leave people alone. That's she. That she was like my first big wah 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 crush. I had really? to. Margot Kidder was mine. I, no, my I mean, God, my God, the outfits that Valerie oh. Prine wears in this movie. Yeah, sure. Yowza, wowza. <laughs> Who's a wowza? Miss Tess Knockers. She's a. <laughs> but isn't ha- isn't Hackman awesome? Isn't he? He's great. great. His first moment, oh, actually, God. my favorite thing that he does is when she goes sick. Sick, and his reaction to that is sort of like, but of course, yeah. There's yeah. it's this yeah. great subtle look. I'm like, that's his best moment in the entire movie, uh, right there. It, it's that devil may care. I, I it, the sociopathy of like, I just really don't care about people. I mean, yeah. he's just pure egomania. He's definitely coming, Mister Luthor. It's open. Come in. My attorney will be in touch with you about the damage to the door. Otis, uh, take the gentleman's cape. I don't think he wants me to, Mr. Luthor. All right, Luthor, where's the gas pellet? Somewhere. (laughs) It's in the back of my mind, actually. (laughs) This is a little idea I was toying with. Is that how a warped brain like yours gets its kicks? By planning the death of innocent people? No, by causing the death of innocent people. I just love him in this movie. It's delicious. You don't yeah. see a lot, and it's it's similar to to the Joker in many ways, at least uh, you know with how Ledger plays it. I'm sure we're going to mm-hmm. talk about that, but mm-hmm. but the idea that there's no there's no backstory. You don't know why. It's like you said, Dan. He just he enjoys doing this. He enjoys the chaos of it. You know, like the, like the Joker loves the chaos of what he's doing and putting people in these in these positions to make these these you know these moral decisions uh, to show the different sides of them. It's like. Lex Luthor just loves to show his superiority. Yeah. He just loves to say that he's the smartest guy in the room. I don't care what I have to do to, do, you know, if, if if that takes people out, but I just need to be on top and I'm having fun doing it. And we're not used to that. I think we're so used to seeing villains now where it, you you sort of, you see the different sides of them and, and not to justify what they do, but there's a backstory given or saying, okay, well, this is their justification and- this is a very different villain where there's not really justification other than I'm the smartest guy in the world. I'm a genius. I can do this. So I'm going to do this. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, obviously he talks about the real estate. He wants to make the millions of dollars, but it's really more of a control thing. I want to be in control. I want to own the entire yeah. West Coast. Yeah. The fact that Lois Lane does her interview with Superman, where she tells, <laughs> right. uh, it's a tell-all, is what Lex Luthor uses against him. Mm-hmm. He uses the information yeah. in the Lois Lane article because he's pouring through that article for weaknesses. And everyone else is going, oh, is this, this yeah. amazing? This alien is here on huh. Earth and here's all the things about him. He's going, here are his weaknesses. And he uses every single one of those that he finds in that article against Superman in the moment when he you know, gives him the crypto. Are we it's going amazing. to Addis Ababa? <laughs> Mr. Luthor? Are we going to Addis Ababa, Mr. Luthor? Oh my God. And, and you know, what's so great. You talk about his, his, his characteristics being his weaknesses. So there, there is a weakness, right? He's like, oh, I can't see through lead. Oh, you know, whatever. Yep. 
those are actual weaknesses. The fact he says, I always tell the truth. He says to Lois, he says, he says, I'm here to fight for truth, justice in the American way. And she laughs at him and she's like, yeah, you'll be fighting every politician in the country, which is like that. That will be evergreen. That joke will never go go wrong. But he Mm -hmm. says it. It goes into the article. And then Valerie Perrine, she seizes on she it when she's, it she brings she it up when they're all it. together, when, when Hackman and ba- when they're all talking about yeah. how they're going to kill him. And she's like, and he's, he always tells the truth. He always tells the truth. And then when her yeah. mother's in danger, when the one missile's going <sighs> to Hackensack and the other one's going to California and Superman really wants moment. to go get the one in California because Lois is in California. She yeah. says, my mom lives in Hackensack. You have to get, I'll save you, but you have to get that one first. And I know you will because you always tell the truth. It's like, she's talking to Santa. It's like her, in yeah. it, like huh. the, her, the hope in her, like, like you're going to do it because I know I read in the paper that you always tell the truth and you can tell he's like, it's hard for him to say yes, yeah. because, but he says, yes, I will. You help me. I'll help you. I'll do it. And he does. And he goes into it because he cannot, he has to tell the truth. And that is, again, not a, how can you say it's a weakness? Because there are two missiles headed to two different states on either sides of the country. And it, he can't get both at the same time. At least at that point, he doesn't think he's fast enough to do it. But he can't do it. And he's like, well, I'm going to. I'm going to honor my word. And then that winds up being tra- having almost tragic, con- tragic consequences that he finds a way oh. around, which is another issue with the movie that a lot of people have. But um, yeah. Speaking anyway. of tragic consequences, can we, can we discuss the, can you read my mind sequence? Because <laughs> to me, that sequence baffled me as a kid and it, practically ruins the entire movie for me as an adult. Ooh. It really, it, I, I, I don't it. even under- I have no problem with it. I can't. I, I, I watch it now and I don't understand. It's it's ridiculous it's to me. It's, it's lengthy. It doesn't need to be there. Who's uh, that's? I, and I I want to mm, find out. You're right. No, it doesn't need to. You don't. You don't need to hear Lois Lane reciting a poem while they're up there. That that it's completely unnecessary. It's ridiculous. I don't understand whose idea it was. Why it stayed in the movie. What was the reason? Did did Margot Kidder write this and she was. She no. like had something over Richard Donner and she's like, you have to keep this in. It's, it's horrendous. I, I, you know I what? It's a, it's a, it's a song that she was supposed to sing yeah. and you can, can get the single somewhere. Like she doesn't sing it, mind. but uh, yeah. it's written by Leslie Brickus. Is that how you say her Brickus, name? Brickus. Yeah. Anyway, she sang it, it at one in? point and then Donner said, oh, he didn't like the singing. So she, she spoke it as like, yeah, like a yeah. tone poem or something. And yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it seems like even Donner wasn't sure what to do with it, at least initially when it was a song, because he didn't like it as a song proper. You know what you do with it? You cut it. You have them flying and just looking at each other and enjoying themselves. I mean, as a kid, I didn't make any sense to me. My kids now, that's when they were done. They were like, we're done. This is ridiculous. They, they were really done. Your kids are really, a- they're really good. They're cold. <laughs> Vicious. They can't no, let. Uh, 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 it's her fantasy. It's the, it's her 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 deepest, most hopeful thought. It's Peter Goddamn Pan. They say it in the movie. They tell you what it That's is. That's great. It's you can Peter do that Pan. without her reciting a poem in her head. You don't need it. As a kid, that was the that was the sequence I would fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. question about it. I would be like, oh, this is the flying part. Let's maybe get to the I, end of this was, where he lands. I was in love with Margot Kidder, so maybe I just gave it a lot of, I was like, you know, I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember I did. I had the soundtrack. I told you, I, I ended up getting that soundtrack on eight track tape. And it, my mom was like, it's not the movie. It's just all the music. I'm like, of course it's the music. But when you listen to that eight track tape, it's two hours of music. 
the only voice on that track is Margot Kidder speaking. Can you read my mind? And I was like, ah, the love of my life is I have I have a recording of her. I mean, I was obsessed with her. I was obsessed. I remember coming home from this movie. I came, I saw it like changed my life. I I came home, I came in the front door. My grandfather and my uncle, they're watching Barnaby Jones on TV. I remember Barnaby Jones was on. I went into the kitchen. I got a bunch of paper and crayons and I just started drawing scenes from the movie. I just started drawing scenes, uh, mostly Lois Lane and Superman. I just drew, I just kept drawing. I drew the scene at the end where her car is in the, in the crevice. I drew, I like I was processing all my face because that was, that's intense. That scene. That's an intense that scene. That is incredibly intense. Yeah. They basically. Yeah, which one now? Which the scene one? When where she's, the when car she's, goes when into the dies? earth, when the earthquake comes. Oh my and God. She dies. Yeah. And she dies. Oh, she's she drowned in dirt. Dies. She's buried alive. It's a terrible way to go. And they show every second of they it. They show her choking. Her hand, and all of the dirt going into her into face her and mouth. her mouth. She, she's gasping. She's clutching. Oh, it it really is. I think that's what um, I was doing. I think I was uh, processing hard. it. I think I think I came because I do remember the, the drawing yeah. I remember doing was the drawing of the car in the air. I probably as a little kid, I was trying to process how horrible that was and that she died but was resurrected brought back to life what mm-hmm. i mean i think i was trying to figure it you know it's like it's it was traumatic and you finally realized you finally realized what was on your lunchbox that's, yeah, well, that, you that's know? true you're finally like oh that's this oh you know what, what's also interesting about this movie? and you know what's another horrifying moment at the very beginning when krypton's breaking apart you oh, see all these falling. bodies yeah. bodies falling in space but then he does one shot donner does this one shot that is silent on the soundtrack and it's just, yeah. you know, I mean, this is many years before 9-11, but it ha- it's just bodies yeah. falling into the abyss, yes. into a red abyss. Yeah. And it is so real looking. It, I, I, I kept thinking. I, I completely like, forgot that. I completely forgot that. I it was shocking. It out. Yeah. I blocked it out. But yeah, I also think this is such a product of its, again, we always talk about how the movies are a product of their time. In the late 70s, some of the biggest movies, the biggest event movies, because there was yeah. all, Star Wars was the only, there was nothing else like Star, Star Wars and Jaws are outliers. But in terms of big box office <laughs> popular event movies, they're all disaster movies. Earthquake, yes. Towering Inferno, Poseidon Adventure. Point, so this movie point. on both ends of the movie, the beginning with the destruction of Krypton and at the end where it's natural disasters all across the state of California. It's yeah. all a disaster movie. It's a, uh, it's bookended by two mini disaster movies. And I thought that was very, very interesting because mm. people say like, oh, well, that's what's so great about Superman 2 is he finally gets adversaries, superpowered adversaries to fight. It's hard, you know, Superman, who's he going to punch? Who's he going to fight? He's the only creature right. like this in the world. So he has to just do amazing things, amazing uh, rescues and, and feats of daring and do. And the- so they were like, wow, let's 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 go into like tap into what people are going to see in the movies, the types of things. It's like if you could replay the Towering Inferno, but have somebody, you know, make it all better. If you could replay the Poseidon Adventure, but somebody saves the boat, you know, it's, it's yeah. amazing. It's a really clever way to give the audience what they you know we're kind of going to the movies for anyway exactly and i think that's the most iconic sequence that's the one as i would remember my my feelings and thoughts about the movie as a kid i wouldn't remember you know the krypton or the smallville section or necessarily the daily planet stuff it would be that section saving the kids on the bus 
um, the Hoover Dam stuff or the, you know, the, whatever the dam yeah. is, um, saving Lois Lane, doing all of the feet and that amazing, incredible shot of him under the earth, yeah. pushing, pushing up, up the fault line, yeah. the, oh the, the, the fa- pushing the San Andreas fault back up with all of the red lava and molten rock around him. That it to this day so good. is I think the best shot in the movie. It's an amazing, incredible shot. And I, I just thrilled to it wa- watching that, you know, yeah, it makes no sense, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't for a second as a kid, not buy that he couldn't reset time by moving the earth around in the, in oh, as a direction. Kid, I, yeah. and, I, and I never for a second was like, okay, now he has to stop the missiles again. All the people, all the problems people have with it today. I never thought that for a microsecond <laughs> as a kid, I was like, he did it. He, he, he reset time. Amazing. Everyone's okay. Yeah. You know, I know. But people have such problems with sure. it now because it's like, well, wait, how come he doesn't? Because they st- because uh, Merlin, Merlin Olson, uh, uh, Jimmy Olson, <laughs> Jimmy Olson, and Merrill, I wish Merlin Merrill, Olson, Merlin was, Olson. I wish Merlin Olson was the staff photographer of the Daily Planet, <laughs> Father Murphy, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Olson, and uh, why can't I think of her name? Lois Lane is um, that they, they still say, oh, and I was. And uh, and I was at a gas station that exploded, and there was a big earthquake, and this. So the missile still hits, yeah. and all of those still things still happen. So he doesn't reset time to the beginning of the missile hit, you know, and stop the missiles. Right. He the missile still hit, so we don't see how that manifest. We don't see any upshot of that. But as a kid, I never thought of that for two seconds that that was problematic. Well, unless, and I thought about this this time in the rewatch that maybe. He, in when he's spinning, turning back time, he does go, I mean, they don't show it, but I thought, oh, well, I guess he's so fast. He would have time to, to stop everything, you know? No, I guess the missiles do have to hit, don't they? That's what I'm making. The, the California missile still hits in any scenario. It's almost like as a kid, the way I understood it or the way I processed it was <laughs> that he spins it around just to clean up the after effects of the earthquake because there's a thing on the radio saying like we're feeling the aftershocks of a major earthquake here that that the yes, missile is the yes. thing and then it's 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 not even the what the missile does so much because he does he 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 puts the fault back together and they say on the news yes. like somehow the san andreas right. fault has miraculously repaired itself but the aftershocks <laughs> yeah. are still being felt so it's uh, in my mind mm. as a kid i was like he rewound up to at just to clean up the effects of post fixing the San Andreas fault. I'm so stupid, but that's how I made sense of it as a kid. I was like, I was like, he did that thing, but it's all the shit afterwards that he couldn't get to. He's got to clean. Here's how I made sense of it as a, here's how I made sense of it as a kid. Yay. He fixed it. That's that's literally as a five-year-old. It's so so exciting and inspiring. My son. I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. All those things I can do, all those powers, and I couldn't even save him. It's of another era. You know, I mean, he's, look, he's a character. He's very much like Captain America. There's such a deep-seated goodness in Superman. And again, there's such an optimism and, you know, this American way. Yeah. Uh, and just at this time, it was, the, the story was told in a very different way that 
superhero stories are told now. And that's, you know, that's, uh, that's why a lot of people have problems sometimes with superhero stories now too, especially, you know, with like the DC universe, why does everything have to be so dark? Everything's gotta be so dark, you know, and there, Mm -hmm. there is a reason for that. And there's something exciting about that, but there's also something nice about going back to this simpler time, you know, and just, and and that's really what I had to remember too, that, oh, this is really playing off that, but you know, it's not, at the time, it was a new take on Superman, but not really. It was the old classic take on Superman, just told in a modern context at that time with the special effects. Yeah. But it didn't try to, again, it, I keep saying this word, but it didn't change the mythos of it at no. all. It was taking the classic, yeah. every classic idea you have of Superman from whether it be comics or the old television show or the old you know short yeah. movies. It was all of those classic things. And now we're just going to do it here in the 70s. Do you know what's brilliant? Yeah. And I just, I've had this thought before. I absolutely have. But you reminded me of it by saying this. Because it is like taking the character, taking what's iconic about the character, what's good and pure and innocent about that character and putting him in, dropping him in 1978, right? Dropping him in that time and place. The brilliant thing is yeah. exactly what we just talked about. that The oddness of going to the Fortress of Solitude for 12 years. He he <laughs> is coming from a more innocent time from the early 60s, right? That's the 50s. Mm-hmm. He grew up in the 50s and the early 60s yeah. in Kansas. And then he goes to the fucking North Pole for 12 years. And then he comes to a New York City in the late 70s after Watergate, after Vietnam, after all of this stuff. Yeah. And he Cynical. is walking yeah. around saying, hey, swell and golly. And, you know, back on the yeah. farm, yeah. you know, an apple pie yeah. on the windowsill. And people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's it's how they make it work. They make it. They're saying, like, he's not a yeah. guy who's lived through all of that. He came. Right. He skipped over and it. he had older parents like depression era, World War Two era parents that raised yeah, him. Yeah, you're right. Not people that were, you know, they were probably in their 50s when they found him or older. It's just like he, it's they were able to build in like, how can we take the Superman of the 30s and 40s and keep what's essential about him, but make a modern day movie that's not a period piece. And they did it. So brilliantly now, as I think about it and put it into words, it's really amazing what they did to to have their cake and eat it too, to give us iconic Superman, but yet get, make a modern big budget blockbuster movie about it and have and have that kind of that schism, have stuff where the woman he's in love with be like, are you kidding? Are you making a joke? You. You're, you're saying, saying golly, that, yeah. You know, you're saying it's uh, the American way. <laughs> Nobody talks like that, buddy. Read the newspaper, yeah. and, and it's kind of funny yeah. that a guy like that can get hired to be a journalist, where he's like, probably like his his frame of reference is all from stuff that happened 12 years earlier. But you know what I mean? It's like he's not gonna he's not writing current events for the. You know. What was yeah. he writing? Where did he get like all his stuff to to uh, uh, to Jackie Cooper? I, well, there's that funny joke. Lois. Clark Kent may seem like just a mild-mannered reporter, but listen, not only does he know how to treat his editor-in-chief with the proper respect, not only does he have a snappy, punchy prose style, but he is, in my 40 years in this business, the fastest typist I've ever seen. My favorite um, Hackman moment is when uh, Tassmacher says, my mother lives in Hackensack. Oh, yeah. And he looks at his watch. <gasps> he looks at his watch, then looks at her and just shakes, shakes his, his head. head. <gasps> That is the great. My friend Nick and I used to do that to each other all the time. We one of us would just say, "My mother lives in Hackensack." The other one would look at their watch, look at the other guy, and go, 
<laughs> just shake it's so head. good. It's a that chilling moment. A it's so and good. And hilarious moment. That is the essence of his character. That's my it favorite really is. moment. Of That's the essence Lex of his character. That moment with Reeve taking yeah. off the glasses and growing like six inches is the yeah. essence. And it's great. It has so The movie has those iconic little, those little, yeah. little yeah, yeah. essential moments. I, I absolutely loved this, this rewatch. And I was, God, I was tearing up at the end. The end is so gorgeous when he just, you know, he goes up and, and out and everything and flies by. I, I, I love how this whole, this whole movie, um, um, wraps up and, and, and manifests itself in a way that just leaves you feeling really good, or at least left me feeling oh, yeah. really good. I can't speak for Fred's children <laughs> or for Fred, but it left me just soaring. I loved it. Yeah. Do we want to Sheila this up? Yeah, let's share. Yeah, hell up. yeah. I'm ready to go a solid 9.5 on it. I'm a f- solid 9.5. I'm a, I'm a full 10 and that's not a surprise. I think I'm going to go seven and a half. It was a really weird week because I was so excited about it and I have such fondness for this movie and there's such a great nostalgia and uh, love for it. And then, no, I still do love it, but there's just been so much that has come since then that has affected how I look at the movie, I think. And maybe that's not the way to go into it, but... uh, I'm going to stick with my 7.5. Fair enough. We'll give you 7.5. Mostly we'll because of the can you read my mind sequence. <laughs> hey, look at this. We have things in the mail sacks. Heavy. What? Heavy sack this heavy, week. Heavy sack. Aww. You got to you gotta release. That's what I'm saying. I got to release the things from the sacks. Let me just yeah. open it up. Is it like Santa's just, sack? It We're kind gonna... of is, but because it's very heavy. Oh. 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 Okay. Oh. Okay, a lot of letters here. A lot of letters. Uh, You have to tell them. You have to let them know. This is obviously, you know, uh, in regard to the Arthropod Squad. People are are upset that we haven't called them up as if we have their number. You know what? You want to know something? My wife wife was listening to the episode. We were were in the car, yes, and she's listening to the episode. And you were saying, we have to let them know. We have to let them know. These guys don't know where she is. And she yeah. said, that's Sheila's choice. That's Sheila's business. If, <gasps> Sheila, if Sheila wanted them to know, <gasps> she could have told them. Wow. See, I, I kind that's of a think, strong feminist talking right yeah, there. I think, don't, don't put that on Sheila, Dan. How dare you? I mean, I'm just saying. That's, that Sheila's was, choice <laughs> coming soon. Starring Meryl Streep. <laughs> She's not, that's the one thing she hasn't played. Is, is a, is <laughs> hybrid animal. <laughs> Hybridized animal. A hybrid insect. Who gets um, taken away by the Nazis, Jacob, Joseph, or or Adam? That's oh, the choice. See, see, that's the choice she has to make. That's the choice she has to make. Uh, um, who does tote take? Exactly. Who does <laughs> <laughs> tote tote away? The the well, listen, people. I, I think if they call us, you know, it's like what they used to tell me after auditions: don't call us, we'll call you. So if we if they call us. <laughs> then we will be able to inform them and hopefully they call us soon instead of just, you know, I mean, we can write them a letter back, but, uh, you know, yeah, who writes letters anymore? Uh, but you know, you know, Kate's absolutely right. Sheila's free to be Sheila. I mean, she Let told me- us to take, right. Didn't she say, take care of Adam and Jacob Joseph or some <laughs> shit when she wrote like, as if we're, <laughs> as if we're their keepers, their yeah, brothers keepers. Can't yeah. they be each other's keeper? I don't know. Here's the other thing though. Big old, and yet another big box in here. Let me just, it's a, uh, okay, it's, uh, it's heavy. 
it's uh, wrapped in just plain, plain brown paper, nondescript. Open it up. Make sure you save that paper. Recycle it. Yeah, I'll use it again. (laughs) Holidays are coming up. Waste not, want not. Look at this. It's another script. Ooh, what do we got? full, Full script. Oh, wow. This can't be right. Lunch line four, the quest for peas. <laughs> can't be. This can't. How? They haven't even. They haven't even finished number one. Well, how Is this like they, a Leonard Part Six type thing where they're I, just they, jumping? Are they skipping? Or this has to be. No, this can't be. Let me get into the script here. Oh, oh, oh god! Oh, oh god! What, what the? What is that? What's going something on? Fell, something fell out of the script. What? Was it anthrax? <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh my god, you guys. It's a dead murder hornet. <laughs> it's a dead hornet. Oh no. I mean, this is this is an actual hornet. I mean, this clearly isn't Sheila, right? She's half or human half hornet. This is do a you, Do you see any human uh, humanoid? No, I don't. I don't. But Are this there is bosoms? A, Does the hornet have oh bosoms? God, this is a, I feel like Sheila would have very apparent she, bosoms. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is just a plain hornet, but it, it's just it, it's hornet. it's dead. This is not this is not a human harbor. Let me look at oh, oh god, this is disgusting. This is so scary. Let me look at the hang on, let me look at the script. Did you, Every single page just says, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm laughing. I get so nervous and I laugh. (laughs) And on the last page, it says, QS. 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 This seems like the the evil doings of some sort of nefarious supervillain. Uh, I mean, gotcha. If it's nefarious, it might be tote. Oh, God. I'm if it's nefarious. We, that's only if it is nefarious. Yes, yeah, that's, we that's don't know if it's nefarious. Or if it's diabolical, we're talking about somebody else. Yes, mm-hmm. I think this is more diabolical than nefarious. Okay, you're right. Let's, let's, give, let's give that melted Nazi the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> As we should. What do you guys make of this? I I, I don't know. I don't don't know know where this is going. This is some sort of diabolical supervillain. It has to be. It has to be. Now we have to let them know, don't we? Maybe they'll call in. Maybe they'll call in. (laughs) No, we should. You know why? Because again, I go back to this. We can't let our fans get hurt. That's we have to protect our fans. We need our listeners and our subscribers. So listen, listeners, subscribers. If you don't want to get hurt, (laughs) keep listening and subscribing. You hear me? I mean, wait. Oh my god! No, that didn't come out right. If you don't want to fall into the clutches of some sort of diabolical supervillain, then you should listen and subscribe and give five stars. Yeah, that's what you're trying to say. one here <laughs> all right let's get serious let's get serious let's get it's time for our our top <laughs> 10 superhero movies of all time top 10 favorite superhero movies of all time this is very hard i have some criteria for my list i don't know if you guys Ooh, do as it. well let's well because there are just so there are so many to choose from, obviously, right? The superhero movies is a genre. It's just they're overwhelming the last several years. But my criteria were uh, I stuck with only DC and Marvel movies. 
Anything Ooh, that okay. wasn't a DC or a Marvel what? movie, I I left out, which means a lot of things that I love, things like Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy, um, The Incredibles. I also kept animation off my list. So that okay. also Interesting. that also includes The Incredibles, but it it uh it includes what his is really one of the one of the strongest superhero movies of maybe ever, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which won the Oscar yeah. last year. I like this is this is your very sneaky way of just getting in all the other movies on yeah, your list. What was your reasoning behind this? Because I, you can do anything with animation. I think it's harder to do live action to 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 uh, to make well, an effective I'm more superhero interested in the movie why only action. DC Marvel. It was 90% going to be DC Marvel anyway. So I was like, I'm just going to go huh. all the way. I couldn't You're see right. an, I couldn't see like a single outlier that wasn't, I think it came down to that. If I was like, maybe one movie on the list would be outside of that sphere. So I just thought, well, okay. why don't I just kind of smooth it out and keep it all to one of those, the big two companies. You know, uh, it's funny as I look at my list, uh, mine without meaning to match the same criteria. Wow. Interesting. Without meaning to, as I look at my list here. Isn't that wow. funny? That's very cool. I have an That's honorable mention, and it doesn't meet the criteria that you established, but the other ones do. Any criteria for you, Fred? you, Fred? No, I thought about that for a second, but I didn't, uh, that would narrow it down. It, look, I'm, I'm going to say this off the bat, and I think you probably know this uh, about me, Jason. I, I could take, other than maybe two or three of the MCU movies and not because I think they're bad movies. They're just not my favorites. I could take any of the MCU movies and put them on this top 10 list mm -hmm. completely justified and defend it. And yeah, I didn't have a criterion. I just said, well, what's the, what are my favorite superhero movies? Yes. I'll mention one movie right off the bat. Is this your honorable mention? List. It's it's sort of an honorable mention. I don't know if it would be my number 11, but mm -hmm. I wanted to mention it because I think it's a really cool movie. I won't talk much about it. It's, it's a movie called Chronicle, which yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen. Yeah, I saw that. It's I one, heard it, of it. It's, it's one of it's those movies. It's, it's, it's like Unbreakable in the sense that it's a very, you don't think of it as a superhero movie until you get to the end. They go to Narnia it's, in it? They do. Yeah. No, not at all. Oh. It's, uh, it was directed. It's Josh Trank's first movie. Yeah. It was infamous for destroying the Fantastic Four. Oh, wow. And, uh, yep. and a few other movies. It, it was a found footage movie. And the basic premise is these three kids, Michael B. Jordan's in it, who's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dane DeHaan. Dane who DeHaan. Was, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can't remember the other kid's name, but it's basically, it's a found footage movie where they, they find this thing. It might be a spaceship and they get these powers. Uh, but it's, it's basically, it's a superhero origin story. In many ways mm -hmm. yeah Dan, did Go you ahead. have an honorable mention that you wanted yeah it to was the incredibles it was a, it, it was, was the incredibles very close to mm -hmm. being in the top 10 but just edged out uh by my number 10 but uh um yeah i, I love the incredibles because yeah, it's, it's them brilliant. uh you know it's brad bird and i love the simpsons and he comes from there so there's a lot of that kind of humor mm -hmm. it doesn't feel very disney to me you know that movie it feels a little bit less disney and it also and i love disney um and it also i just love seeing them at mundane everyday jobs you mm -hmm. know superheroes yeah. doing you know selling insurance it's really fun and uh, i love helen hunt in it uh yeah. um uh, uh i think she's great so not helen hunt not uh, helen hunt yeah. linda hunt linda hunt that's not linda hunt that's not linda hunt that's brad, that's brad bird, bird. You mean the, the, the Edna Mode, the little Edna character Mode. that looks yeah, like Edith Linda Head, Hunt? The Edith Head uh, character, yeah. That, yeah. That's Brad Bird. Brad Bird, the director, does, does what the What are you voice. talking about? 
That's pr- <laughs> it looks like Linda Hunt. Let me say this again. It's Brad Bird doing the voice of Edna Mode. That's not Helen Hunt. Or, or, uh, Linda, <laughs> Linda Hunt? No. No, it, it's Brad the, the, Bird. The character the looks like the actress <laughs> yes. Linda Hunt. Small, has a similar facial features and stuff. But I no. thought it was Linda Hunt doing Edith Head, the famous no. costume designer. One more time. It's Brad it's the director, Bird. Bird. He's doing voice of Edna Mode. You're lying. You're putting me on. I'm not lying at all. Does, it, does this not get off of your honor? <laughs> it's it's not honorless now. It might move it up. It might move it up because that's because <laughs> oh, your hatred for Linda yeah. Hunt kept it off. Yeah. <laughs> what you talking about? The crazy thing Speaking is, of, oh. it wasn't Linda Hunt who won the Oscar for the year living dangerously. It was Brad Bird wow. playing Linda Hunt, He's playing a man. Trying to be Linda Hunt's entire career. Wow. Wow. Uh, well, this next is going week, well so on far. Opening week. <laughs> oh wait. You have to do entire lists. Um, <laughs> What's your honorable mention? My honorable mention, and it's a movie that kept popping on and off of my list and then i was like it doesn't really fit with the rest for me it's a marvel movie it's an mcu movie it's guardians of the galaxy volume two i love guardians of the galaxy volume two i i i vastly prefer it to the first guardians of the galaxy i really do i love it i think the relationships are beautiful the revelations are painful it's really yeah. funny the scene where i can remember the first time i saw it, the scene where kurt russell has a catch with chris pratt uh, with the, where yeah. he's throwing that ball of energy back and forth it actually yeah. brought tears to my eyes i just thought there was there's just a a a, a real simplicity to it and it's just really joyful and and it's very moving you know when rocket raccoon tears up in the final shot of the movie and i'm like that's what i it's all heart the movie's all heart yeah i love yeah, it yeah totally agree how do we want to start who wants linda to start hunt. You're telling number me linda hunt, linda was, hunt not- was not <clears throat> linda hunt was not in that movie well you know what i'll jump you in. jump in you want to start i'm gonna jump in this is a superhero to comic book character but it's not in many ways, it's not really a superhero movie. Oh, here we go. But I wanted to get it on my list. It's the fourth episode of Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> no. There's a one. No. It is Logan. Yes. James right. Magnold's Logan. Yes. It's, uh, I, I had a tough, t- I, I got to say, I, I had a really tough time with this list. This list hmm. has changed constantly i mean really up until we we logged on it i change it again i mean things moved around change it now my number one was always my number one but things have moved constantly and this was another one that was always on there it is such a great send-off for this incredible performance you know growing up x-men was one of my comics growing up that was that was was one i loved yeah i I really loved it and um, i knew nothing about them till that first movie nothing yeah i I was and and that we saw together really really the first one yeah me you and bob saw it it was the day you met bob larkin we all met outside that movie theater on 42nd street the amc that's fantastic and uh i remember it very vividly it was like a really it was an oddly cold rainy summer afternoon or evening and we all went to say and that's when you met bob and the three of us went we saw x-men and i was like shit this is good i did not expect it to be so good anyway sorry Uh, fred please continue i'm sorry but i love but but wolverine was always my favorite character i mean wolverine was so many favorite character and then and with that first movie uh which did not make it to my list but it almost did because Mm. i i loved it i loved there's you know there's some problems with the movie it doesn't some parts don't hold up i'm talking about the first Mm -hmm. x-men but man hugh jackman is just such a fucking revelation and he's this you know i I rewatched with my kids recently and i'm like no one knew who he was before he did this movie. Mm. And his first scene in the bar in X-Men, I 
I leapt out of my feet. I was so excited because <laughs> it was just like, it was seeing this character that I love so much from the comics come to life, you know? Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. And, you know, obviously he's been with this character through so many movies and there's been some missteps here and there, mm. but this yeah. one was such a great send off. And it's also, I'm, I'm a, I was a really big fan of the Mark Miller series, old man, Logan, the mutants are gone. Things have really turned to shit. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a dark movie. It's hard to watch. It's not necessarily a movie that you want to rewatch over and over again. And it's R-rated, um, right? And it's, it's, it's R-rated. And it's, there's it's, language, it's, there's everything in it. Yeah, it's pretty unrelenting in its violence yeah. too. But it's just, he's so good at Hugh Jackman. And I really, I thought he should have been nominated for an Academy Award. You honestly derive no sense of purpose from what we're doing. Okay, what are we doing? Hmm? There is a young mutant. Uh -huh. Sitting in our car. Yeah, I see. And where that. we're taking her, mm -hmm. there are others. Does that mean nothing to you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it means nothing to me. Especially since Nurse Gabriella made all that eating shit up with fucking comic books. It's a film about, you know, fatherhood and yeah. aging parents and loss and regret. Yeah, and, and redemption. Redemption. Yeah. Shepherding future generations. And the ending just left have you guys seen it oh yeah yes I saw it it's on my today. list too fred somewhere the very and, last and shot really good left me i i audibly i was like yeah. i audibly sobbed in the theater yeah. so that's that's my number 10 uh it's he's he just bravo you jackman yeah yeah and the wonderful patrick stewart who oh, is, he's great. Yeah, and he's and the young girl, the young girl in that? Yes. The, uh, X23, what's her name? Yeah, Daphne I'm blanking Keen. on her name. Daphne Keene. Yes. They're all great That's in great. it. I love that movie and it is on my list. What's your number 10, Dan? Oh, we me now. Yeah. My number 10. Why not? Is a really fun <laughs> one. My number 10 is a really fun one and it's from the MCU and it's Thor Ragnarok. It's main event time. He's a friend from work. I was so surprised by this movie. I had so yeah. much fun watching it. I was like, is this going to even work? <laughs> and it's, uh -huh. it, it works in such a weird way. Uh, Taika Waititi directed it. And uh, it is very, very out of uh, left. It's as out of left field as the Guardians movies, but in, in a very different way. It's almost like watching an 80s movie. You know, it has a very 80s aesthetic to it. Totally. Um, you you get introduced to some great new characters like the other gladiators and the 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 Valkyrie. And, and oh, uh, she's great. She's Tessa, Thompson. Tessa Thompson. Oh, God. Yeah. And at the middle of it, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. He's ridiculously. Just playing Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he's just doing himself. He's just playing <laughs> himself it with works. all his little ticks and quirks and he's oh, crazy. So funny. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, uh, you also uh, get the, the, the um, real peril of having the sister you know, played by Kate Blanchett. God, she's good. Coming in. Yeah. And, and it still fits within the greater arc of the, of the whole thing. Uh, it's just so much fun. And it's one that I will regularly just sort of throw on mm. just to laugh and have a, and have a great time. General, would you care to step outside?
My number 10 is actually Superman 2. The production was so troubled and and the the handoff between directors and, uh, you know, there is a shift in tone from what Donner did versus what Lester did. And somehow it all still works. You know, there is the Richard Donner version out there and I've seen it. I own that. But as much as I love it as a, a kind of a, a, a curio, you know, like it's like mm, a, a conversation word. piece. It, yep. It's not... There's something about the alchemy of the two different styles of directing and and the the fun, you know, there, there's the epic grandeur of the first movie and the weight of that and trying to make you believe everything that's in the it's in the tagline. Believe a man can fly like this is this is real. The first line yeah. Marlon Brando says in Superman is the very first line of the movie is this is no fantasy. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's all like it's all purposefully like believe yeah. this, believe this. It's not kiddie stuff. And then once they did that, then it it bought it gave them license to be bigger, bolder, more colorful, more and have crazy, it, yeah. and that's and have a lot more fun with it. I mean, and even just the, the just the concept of three villains with the same powers as Superman coming to Earth <laughs> to wreak havoc—that's just perfect <laughs> as a setup, just we by itself. We all do. It's perfect. And Terrence Stamp is amazing. He's, He's particularly so good. Yeah, um, so great. But it's really it's the love story. You know, we talked about how the the first movie is about. Superman and Lois Lane falling in love. This is the story of that relationship reaching its painful but logical conclusion. Yeah. And and the ending, the bittersweet. I mean, this the really sad. I mean, even when I was a little kid. It worked so well. I I felt as much as I loved this movie, I felt bone deep sad at the end. I knew she was unhappy Mm. and uh, you know, it's so funny. There's that magic kiss at the end that he gives her the kiss that kind of robs her memory. And that's like an act of mercy. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I didn't understand that's what was happening. I just thought they kissed. And now she's mm. over it and she's putting a brave face on, you know, and she's like, interesting. She's like, I'm going to go on. And, you know, he's Superman, but I just have to get on with my life. And I got to kiss him. And, you know, I, I didn't know yeah. what I didn't realize huh. she was being robbed of the memories, which in in a way. I'm glad I didn't realize then because that's even sadder that, you know yeah. what I mean? That, that the whole relationship disappeared for her. Anyway, it, it's great. It's uh, the fight on the streets of Metropolis is what kept oh, me coming back as a so kid. Great. But the love story and the performances of Reeve, Kidder, Gene Hackman again, and, yeah. uh, and really Terrence Stamp chiefly, you know, uh, th- that's, that's what I, I return to now. I'm like, it's still, it's really s- still the performances are so impressive in it. Um, yeah. Superman too. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's on my list as well. Uh, oh, shall we do the pendulum thing? Shall I go to my number nine? The and then, uh, we'll swing back through to Dan. Okay. Uh, my number nine, another DC sequel, Batman Returns. <gasps> ah, uh, yes. I, I, yes. You, you love that one. I, went, I, I do, but I went back and forth about having it on the list because, you know, it's, it's a lot of things. It's, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, it's Tim Burton kind of finding his groove with the character. It's a great kind of goth Christmas movie. It's people have called it an art house blockbuster because it's just kind of like, you know, it's just not the typical superhero movie. Yeah. It's it's a great acting showcase for Christopher Walken and Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer. The question keeps coming up. Is it necessarily a great Batman movie? And I don't know, but I think it's a great Michael Keaton Batman movie, by yeah. which I mean... <laughs> The first Batman in 89 kind of taught us that this Bruce Wayne 
was a weird, quiet, damaged, kind of maybe crazy loner with a good but bruised heart and this very bifurcated personality. And that description of Keaton's Batman feels like it applies to this movie, like all the qualities of that character are kind of all over this movie tonally. And and I think he's really he I think Keaton does a beautiful job at the center of it. people say, well, it's really all about the penguin and about Catwoman. And yeah, it is. But Keaton like holds the center of the movie and he kind of doesn't. It's it's like it's almost like the whole movie is kind of an expression of his. I don't know, like Batman's inner kind of, you know, <laughs> turmoil and weirdness and, you know, yeah. whatever his sadness. It's a very melancholy movie, too. It's You're like living in his soul. Kind yeah, of, yeah, kind of, huh. kind of. I need to give this a rewatch. I haven't seen it's this movie so good. in oh, it's ages. Good yeah, it's good. really good. And, and, you know, and Keaton's even said, you know, he's so unlike most leading men. He kept getting the script and he would say, maybe I said this in our Batman episode, but with this one, especially, he'd say, you got him saying too much. He would cut, he would wow. cut lines. He was like, Batman doesn't talk that much. Bruce Wayne doesn't talk that much. Bruce Wayne talks more than Batman, but they're both like, he's like, you know, it's more about what's going on in their heads. So in a way I'm like, yeah, it's, it's by design that he's kind of a muted figure in some ways and that he, you know, he explodes on the scene when he needs to. But yeah, I, I, I love it. Okay. I'm going to revisit. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. It's it's really solid. It's really solid. You're making me want to see it again. Dan. What me, is yeah. your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Ryan Coogler's Black Panther. I love mm-hmm. this movie. I did a rewatch yep. of it recently. Um, I did not see it when it first came out. I saw it a little bit later, and then I watched it again uh, after that, and then watched it recently. And And every time I watch it, I like it more and more and more and more because of the message at its center just resonate. Yeah. I mean, of course, now watching it with, you know, rest his soul, the pa- the passage of uh, Chadwick Boseman. Oh, yeah. God, it's so oh. different watching it now because everything he says just resonates on a whole other level. Yeah. And it's like every time he speaks, you get tears in your eyes. But, um, you know, this whole idea, uh, what Black Panther is about to me is like, okay, um, there is really, truly, deeply justified anger on 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 the on the uh, on the uh, you know for Africans and African Americans all, all everywhere you know because of of uh colonization and slavery and everything that they have had to endure um over the centuries and the i think at the root of this movie is the question of you know the the truly you know, justified in a lot of ways response of the Killmonger character of saying it's time to balance the scales in a major way to throw the, our, our Wakanda's full weight and heft and technology and money and everything behind a total rebalancing of the scales. And that's going to mean massive global death and it's going to rebalance the scales. And that is, you know, (laughs) that is obviously um, pushed back against by what ultimately the movie, you know, I think uh, winds up saying, which is there's another way. There's another way and a, and, a, mm-hmm. and, a, and a more peaceful way and a better way where we're not poisoning our souls with revenge. And it's so funny because at the end of Civil War, Black Panther sits down with the Daniel Brühl character and has yeah. a very similar moment to the moment he has with Killmonger at the end of Black Panther, where mm-hmm. they, they both decide, you know, where, where he says revenge has poisoned your soul. Maybe we can still heal you. Why? 
so you can just lock me up. No, no. Just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships. Because they knew death was better than bondage. Um, and again, you know, every time I watch it, and I, I kind of can't wait to watch it again, I just get more and more and more out of it. Fred, did you do your number nine yet? No. No, my number nine. All right, nine. you guys are going to kill me. Why? I'm doing a, I'm doing a tie. Son of but a... But I'll do it quick. I'll do it quick. I, this was one I could not. I was going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So the tie is I'm staying in that world of X-Men. It's X2. X-Men United mm -hmm. and X-Men Days of Future Past. Mm -hmm. oh. uh, now, here's the interesting thing. I saw, and I think I saw it with you, Jason. We might have all seen together X2 together. I remember Jeremy uh, Vaney was sitting next oh, to me. I definitely saw bunch X2 of us. with all of you guys because I was the sole person who didn't like it. No, I didn't like it either. Oh. I did not like it when I saw it. And, now you like and it. like I was saying earlier, I loved the first one. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It just didn't stick with me. I rewatched it recently with Ben because he'd never seen the X-Men movie. So we watched the first one. We watched the second mm. one. And I really enjoyed it this time. And I thought in many ways, this is really what we were waiting for as X-Men fans. Because, you know, especially the, the lineup that I loved growing up in, in, within the 80s, you know, so now we had Nightcrawler in there. That opening scene in the White House is fantastic. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Colossus shows up to see Wolverine finally get a full berserker scene. Mm -hmm. That's what they called it in the comics. <laughs> yeah, when, the like, when, when the rage yeah. would just get him, just go nuts. And to finally see that. Everybody cheered great... in the theater, I remember, when he when he oh, actually God, killed yeah. people because he yeah, didn't kill finally. anybody in the first one. And he just, that screw. Ah, yep. And then Stryker's a great villain. Yeah, Brian you know, Cox the parallels between the mutants, you know, and the kids coming after their parents, you know, the mm -hmm. whole thing with Bobby when he talks to his parents. Um, so I threw that on there. But Days of Future Past is really, to me, it's the ultimate X-Men movie. It's a that, good that one. Was, that was a great, another great comic arc that I knew as a kid. And I was really curious to see how they're doing. And again, what they do in the movie is very different it's, it's the general idea about, you know, mutants being killed up by the Sentinels, but Wolverine is not a major character at all in the comics. And it makes total sense yeah. to make him a major character here because how can you not? Because you, you got to have him in so there. You're fucking right. good <laughs> in the character. And to me, wow, talk about, we were talking about earlier about casting with Superman. I mean, the casting Perfect. of the young mutants. I mean, James McAvoy and Fassbender are fantastic so to see them Fast in this Bender's movie incredible in first you know class, and matched up but also with, the kid that runs around fast what's oh, yeah, that's yeah. what i'm saying yeah to see it, that scene so is good perfection yeah. it's it's great it was just it was a perfect x-men movie it was it was like exactly what you'd want in an x-men comic and i thought they they did such a great job putting it on the screen yeah. it was a lot of a lot of fun good. so that's my those are my number nine what's nice. your number eight? Oh, we're jumping right there pendulum this this was, uh, again, this is another tough one. I didn't know. You mentioned a movie that before Dan, Civil War, that was almost, mm. I mean, mm. it's still one of my favorites. It mm. could easily be on here. Mm -hmm. But I moved it off, and instead I got <gasps> Spider-Man Homecoming oh. in that place. Um, because to me, it's the best Spider-Man movie. Tom Holland, you just fall in love with him. To me, you he can't not. He's Peter yeah. Parker. Yeah. And when he's first introduced in Civil War, you just, like, that's it. That's so that is it. the first the time we see part him. of that movie, I think. And I like Civil War very much. That's the much, first time you see him in Civil War. We don't see War, him yeah. in a tagger at the end of any of the previous nope. ones? Okay. No, no. He's no. Introduced that's the first time that. you see him. Mm -hmm. 
And this, you know, and we talked about this uh, on the back to school episode, and this was on my list as one of the best, you know, school movies Mm -hmm. too, because it's, that's what I love about it. You see, he's, (laughs) he's a teenager and he's a relatable teenager and he's a likable teenager. And that to me is who Peter Parker is. And it's, it's almost like, it's like a love letter in many ways to comic book fans. You know, we were all, when we were reading comics or into Spider-Man, we were his age and you know, you can all, we can all relate to wanting to, I I love, you know, the relationship between him and Tony Stark is beautiful and it pays off so wonderfully throughout the entire arc of the MCU. But he's used so well in this movie, Tony Stark as a mentor. And, you know, we can all relate to that idea of wanting to please our heroes and to, to, to live up to their ideals. Do you know that I was the only one who believed in you? Everyone else said I was crazy to recruit a 14 year old kid. I'm 15. No, this is where you zip it, all right? The adult is talking. What if somebody had died tonight? Different story, right? Because that's on you. And if you died, I feel like that's on me. I don't need that on my conscience. Yes, sir. I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. I understand. I just, I just wanted to be like you. And I wanted you to be better. No, I love that movie as well. I love yeah, it as well. It's a fun one. So that's my number eight. Great. Dan, what's yours? My number, number eight. eight, we've already talked about it, is Logan. James Mangold's ah. Logan. I really, really like it. I'm such a big, the more I watch, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of original Star Trek. I, I like Voyager a bit. I, I I have warmed over the decades to um to uh next generation. And it's mostly because of Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. because he his what he's doing is a little bit different from what everyone else is doing on that thing because he was, you know, he's of the repertory theater, right? And sure. he's, he, he is, he is, he's just got more tools in the toolbox. They all come out in this movie. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I've seen Patrick Stewart on stage a couple of times. I saw him as uh, Prospero in the Tempest. I saw him in a very strange Arthur Miller play called the ride down Mount Morgan. But anyway, big long love letter to, 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 uh, to Patrick Stewart. Um, and especially in this particular yeah, he's heartbreaking. movie, he yeah. really is heartbreaking. Um, this is a dark movie. It's a violent movie. It gives you different sides and disparate, different aspects. Uh, it's a fantastic screenplay. I was nominated for an Oscar. And all of those elements, plus the girl who's great, yeah. all of those elements make it a really unexpected movie where you truly don't know what's going to happen and it's rated r you know they said the first line of the movie is oh, fuck because he gets, <laughs> he's in the he's in the car and they they're taking his hubcaps oh, the first line of the movie is scene. fuck and you go oh god we're yeah. in a very different yeah. kind of x-men movie here it's terrific i love it uh my number eight is captain america the winter soldier uh, oh, yeah. it's a good so, one I think it's great. I think it's, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, if the, if this whole movie were just the elevator fight between Cap <laughs> and and his sweet. former Shield colleagues, that it would make the list. It's just Frank such, Grillo. Yeah. It's such a it's such a fantastic <laughs> scene. Um, you know, it it was at that time. I think it was the most kind of badass and kick ass and mature and realistic feeling of the Marvel yeah. movies, the Absolutely. MCU movies. Yeah. Um, you know, and it kind of it it brought the the Russo brothers into the MCU, who would go oh, on this to is direct their first the, one. Okay. Is their it's first one, and then they did Civil so War, good. and then the the last two Avengers films. I mean, Marvel yeah. knew what they had right away with them, and so, kind of signed yeah. them on to God. to kind of shepherd 
their the, the whole universe into you know to close out that whole gigantic saga that 22 yeah. movie saga and it's you know it's it's because of this and it, amazingly you know their their background is in like arrested development and sitcoms and stuff like that i mean mm-hmm. they're crazy they're just they're just incredibly talented and, and what they what they did here was especially impressive and it was really great you know disillusionment is a big part of uh, yes of what what uh chris evans goes through in this film and, and he he modulates things so beautifully he's a he's a great actor a he's really so great good. actor and he's yeah. really terrific in the in the full arc of this character of captain america from the first movie all the way to end game but yeah <sighs> i think this this one is especially strong and i, I gotta say any movie that features gary shandling whispering the words hail hydra (laughs) into someone's ear qualifies as a classic of the genre and uh yeah i i love captain american winter soldier and i love i love redford in it i love the fact that it's it has a very like 70s yeah totally espionage feel to it it's just great the only thing i don't like about it actually is redford not his performance but it, it narrowly doesn't make my list because I feel like they tip the hand too much. Who else is it oh. going to be if not Redford? You know what I mean? Like it's one of those movies that it's like, oh, well, there's the bad guy. He's yeah. The star. Hmm. He's, We've he's said a, that he's about a, other things A-list where it's star. like, oh, you're clearly I mean. going to be the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's the only thing, the only, you know, thing I have, bone that mm-hmm. I have to pick with this movie at all. It, it, it is so good. It's such a good, strong. Yeah. It's great. Piece. That's great. Um, and then yeah. my number seven is uh, X2, X-Men United. And you said most of, you know, you said most of what there is to say about it. I loved it from the first. I saw it opening day and I loved it. I, th- I thought it was, I thought it up the ante and was more satisfying than the first X-Men, which I had already loved. Um, you know, the original X-Men was the first film since Donner's Superman, I think, to place uh, larger than life superheroics in a real world it really went out of its way to make it feel like this is the real world as opposed mm-hmm. to what tim burton did with batman and you mentioned all the great scenes wolverine going berserker nightcrawler in the white house amazing i i thought ian mckellen was especially delicious in this one and i i love the prison break is is oh, very breathtaking when he uses yeah. the, the the additional iron in the blood of the guard oh. he peels it out of his body and turns it into bullets and discs and things to shatter the prison and le- yeah. help him like escape it's just it's really clever there's something different about mr Laurier. yeah i was having a good day no that's no, not that Sit down. No. Sit your ass down. What could it be? What are you doing? There it is. Too much iron in your blood. And in my opinion, it's it's the I love Days of Future Past too, Fred. I love Logan. Um, it's the best of all the X-Men movies for me with, mm. with first class being a close second, Michael oh. Fassbender, yeah. uh, the origin of Magneto and uh, oh, that's so good. is, is so great. And the whole arc of Fassbender in first class is really strong. And that almost made my list. So yeah, yeah. X2 yeah. is my number seven. What's your number seven, Dan? Jason, I don't know if you're familiar with this movie. This one may be one that you're, you're, you may not have heard of. Probably or that not. You even, you even know exists. It's I a very, know. it's a rarity. It's a rarity. Uh, it's Tim Burton's Batman. What? Um, <laughs> Who that now? 
Uh, it was made in 1989. I'm oh. only familiar uh, with it from this great podcast called Opening Weekend. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, they did, they did an episode. about it. Yeah. In yes, an did. episode, episode, I want to say six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Five. five. <laughs> five. It was five. Episode five. Is this episode the episode? Five. It may or may not have been the same episode in which we discussed Smidgen. Watch what the fist is doing. Um, no, it may have been. I, yeah, it might have been. May have been. May have been. This this movie really grew on me over the years. I did see it when it came out. Saw it with my friend Nick. You know, enjoyed it then, but it slow, slowly sort of cooled to it, and then rewarmed to it in a major way mm. in uh, in in adulthood. Just because of you know, just it was really a rediscovery for me. And, and Nicholson is I, I even then thought he was hitting it out of the park. Why did he not get nominated for an Oscar for it? He's he mm-hmm. does steal the whole movie, even though he's the star with top billing. He steals it. Hey, Zeus Marimba, a lovely beast like that running around could put steam in a man's strides. She's dating some guy named Wayne. She's about to trade up. Learn to stay inside the lines. <laughs> I'm of a mind to make some mookie. <laughs> Phone book. My number seven, you brought it up before, Dan. It's Thor Ragnarok. So it's good. just so much fun. You said it all there. It's one of those things where, you know, the first two movies are two of my least favorite MCU movies. The second one, Dark World, is probably my least favorite of all the MCU movies. It's not a bad movie. It just mm. doesn't do anything for me. We've seen that uh, one one time. Oddly enough, it, it it's really a, a very important movie when you get to Endgame, which, is, ah. which I find really fascinating. <laughs> Who knew? That Thor was going to be the funniest character yes. in the MCU. Who knew that Chris, Chris Hemsworth was yeah. such a fantastic comedic yeah. actor? He sort of, there's little moments in Avengers, little moments where he's adopted, <laughs> you know, but he, they just, ha- as soon as I saw the trailer and they were playing Immigrant Song, I thought, oh. Fred, you read my oh, mind. I was just going to, I was oh, this just looking the, that up because I know it starts with a young dug 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 And I was like, Fred must have gone out of his mind. Oh, I went berserk. Uh-huh. I went berserk. Yeah. And what I think the, you know, what Kevin Feige, what he's done so well is he's figured out that each movie has to have its own voice, you know? And I feel like th- this was almost him making up for not using Edgar Wright for Ant-Man. I feel like this was Kevin Feige saying, you know what? Ant-Man was great. I might have made a mistake. It now let's let's let let's a director open let's yeah. open it up and yeah. take a really, you know, quirky director with a very his yeah. own unique vision and run with it. Because also, frankly, we we gotta infuse a little life into this character. We're the same, you and I. Just a couple of hot-headed fools. Yeah, same. Hulk like fire, mm. Thor like water. Oh. Kind of both like fire. But Hulk like raging fire. So I like smoldering fire. <laughs> My number six is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Hey. Yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it, it, it could possibly the, be the most fun superhero movie ever. Wow. I, 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 it's, it's like you're inside a comic book. You know, yeah. the animation is incredible. Yeah. It's so... It's fresh, it's frenetic, it feels new and classic all at the same time. You know, there's 
there's an irreverency about it and it sort of takes the piss out of the Spider-Man mythos while completely respecting it and honoring it. And (laughs) it has such reverence for the source material. For all of those characters in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from comics, even the Spider-Pig and all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're They're all from the comics, really. They're all from from different comics, Yeah. yeah. My name is Peter Parker. My name is Penny Parker. My name is Peter Parker. I I was was bitten by a radioactive pig. In my universe, it's 1933, and I'm a private eye. I like to drink egg creams, and I like to fight Nazis. A lot. Nicolas Cage is great. He's great (laughs) as noir Spider-Man. Yeah, it's just, it's a really, really fun movie. And again, I love the character of Miles. Uh, It's just, I think I, 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 you know, I'm a huge Daredevil fan, as as you know, and his Mm. arch nemesis is the Kingpin who really started out as an arch nemesis for Spider-Man. And so I love Ah. seeing him introduced in this. And I think Liev Schreiber is great. Now it looks like the Spider-Man movies and the the Marvel of the MCU is going to kind of take a, a cue from Spider-Verse and kind of... Uh, that's what it seems like, yeah. yeah. Mm, and uh, that's what and, it seems and like. create like a multiverse for their, uh, yeah. for their live just, action Spider-Man movies. This was just it, just, it was like a love letter to, to comic book fans and it's a lot of fun. Uh, my number six is Captain American Civil War. Yeah, uh, Captain America. God, Civil I'm so War. angry. It's not on my list. Yeah, it, th- this is my favorite of the, of the three. It's my wife's favorite one. The big fight between all of them, which I don't know if that's rivaled anywhere in the MCU, that fight between the Captain America team and the Iron Man team. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, it's, is it's that incredible? So because it's so all much of their fun. powers come out and everything that they can do, you would almost take something away from it if Thor and Hulk were there. You know what I mean? And Loki. Yeah, and they that. couldn't. They And they, they said that actually. Yeah, that was much. one of the reasons they were too, because they're too powerful. The Civil War is kind of the opposite movie of Thor Ragnarok, you know, because yeah. Civil War is grounded in human concerns, politics, yeah. the Sokovia Accords, you know what I mean? We have to decide whether or not we need to rein in our power or not. Mm-hmm. And of course, Tony Stark is on the side of, yes, we need, you know, he says we need to be checked. Basically, we need to be reined in. We need to be, we need to be called out. And it is still Captain America's story. He's still totally the protagonist in yeah. many ways. Tony Stark is the antagonist. Yep. So, so it is still a Captain America movie despite everything else. Yeah, I think it's yeah. mm, I, I think it's more an Iron Man movie. I love oh, I love I love Civil War, but I I I see Iron Man's side of it more. I enjoy I think Robert Downey Jr. is the stronger uh, oh, presence in the film in a lot of ways. I just, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's really interesting. I love it, but I do think you know there was a whole thing going on at the time. It was like, are you Team Cap or Team Iron Man? I was like, yeah. I'm Team Iron Man. <laughs> I, I love I love Iron Man. Um, Team Cap. I love them both, but I'm, uh, you know, I we're going to get into uh, a civil war right here on this podcast. We just might. Wow. I, it is incredible what they did with Spider Man. I thought was particularly strong because oh, okay. there were moments I was like, oh yeah. my god, it's the first time it really looks like Spider Man from the comics is yes. on screen. The way he moved, <laughs> yeah. the costume, that was yeah. really great. It was and fantastic. the moment where Anthony Mackie, who you were talking about Winter Soldier before, I he's so great in that movie. He was my favorite character in Winter Soldier. His Falcon, Anthony he's Mackie. Terrific. He's I terrific. I love him. But he's got a moment when they're fighting when he goes, you know, you don't normally talk this much in a fight. When yes. he said that, I said, they just got Spider-Man. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Like, My number six is The Avengers. 2012's The Avengers. Just yeah, watched it last night. It, it is, was on cable. <laughs> it's the, I, I, I think it's the most flat out fun movie on my list. I, mm. I just, I watch it. I just enjoy it so much. It's 
one of my favorites of the MCU, it, it, partly because it absolutely should not have worked. Yeah. And every single thing about it did. I mean, it was such a huge gamble for them. And it was like, oh, so if good. that movie didn't work as good as the the movies leading up to it were, if they couldn't bring them all together and have it be effective, then Feige's whole plan, the MCU, it wouldn't be an MCU. It would have been like, well, that was awkward. And then you'd have <laughs> Iron Man sequels, Thor sequels, Captain America sequels. And maybe they'd, you know, do Guardians and some of these other things, but they would yeah. keep them in their Separate. own respective universes. It, it was a mm. big gamble. It paid off. In a, in a big way uh i i think joss whedon was the right guy for the job i think yep. everybody in it is in great form it's the yeah. absolute best on-screen incarnation of the hulk i think even within the mcu i think hulk in uh, the avengers is everything that we love about hulk from the comics and the cartoons when we were a kid and every you know not the the, the luferigno stuff that we grew up with because it was a different kind of thing and the only way they could you know they didn't have the technology to do what hulk can do in the <laughs> comics so that was wonderful for what it was but i even think the avengers sequels and even ragnarok doesn't quite capture the special excitement and joy and yeah. fun and humor of this this uh, iteration of the Hulk. He's just his first meeting with with Black Widow. Oh, that's such a great such scene! Such a great because she's scene. utterly terrified for real. Yeah, you know oh, she's all of his body so language, oh, Ruffalo's body amazing. language. Oh, yeah, he just, with the hands, with his, his hands, hands he just time. he's yeah. just got because and like he says later in the movie, I'm always angry. I'm always that's just the keeping line it to me. at bay. Now I need you to come in. What if I say no? I'll persuade you. And what if the other guy says no? You've been more than a year without an incident. I don't think you want to break that streak. Well, I don't every time get what I want. My number five, I'm not going to go into it too much. It is Batman, 1989's Batman. We all know how I feel about this movie, how much I love it. I think it's a classic of the genre. Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, perfection. I've said it all in episode five. I could go on for, I've said, I've written an entire uh, one man show about it. You know, what? Batman. Go in, if you've not heard of it, go go see it. Um, it's okay. available on your, on your TV box. Uh, that's it. Very Batman, number five. What's your five, Dan? Very good. Uh, I another Russo Brothers Avengers Infinity War. Mm -hmm. I love this movie. Of all of the MCU movies, this is the one I've seen the most times. Hmm. Probably this one and Avengers, the first one. I've seen this these two the most times. Um, you know, the 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 way that this thing meets itself out is fairly ridiculous. This whole thing has led up to finding stones and putting them into a glove. You know, the Guardians of the Galaxy are a major part of it. I I don't care for those two movies, but I like the characters. I like the acting. But holy fuck, does this thing work? It works. And then, of course, spoiler alert, the ending is unbelievable. It's tremendous. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't, you, you, you do leave. I left that movie going, how actually will they come back from this mm -hmm. <laughs> how are they going to recover but it works so fucking well and when spider-man fades away in tony stark's arms well, it, there's nothing better than that there's nothing better or more tragic or more horrible than that it's it's a it's a a uh, wonderful movie. I get the impression you guys hate it. You don't like it. Oh, no. You know, I, no, I have I a lot more it. to say about it. But oh, it. okay. Fabulous. All right. 
Freddie, what's your number five? My number five is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. Uh, for I mean, I could say for no other reason than Heath Ledger, who I think gives one of the greatest performances of the 20th century. Uh, he's, I mean, I love the whole movie. I love the look of it. Uh, I love Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker. There's the movies in constant motion. I love the style of it. The dark, gritty, complex, noir. It's great social commentary. Mm. Uh, but it's really, it's Heath Ledger. I mean, he's just, yeah. it, it's, it's unbelievable to me watching him. When I saw him in that movie, I remember thinking, this is what people must have felt like when they first saw Brando in Streetcar. Yeah. You know, it's, oh. it's, to me, it's one of the most, uh, it's indelible. Iconic, indelible. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, it's great. I wanted to see what you'd do. And you didn't disappoint. You let five people die. Then, you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Where's Dent? Those mob fools want you gone so they can get back to the way things were. But I know the truth. There's no going back. You've changed things. Forever. And why do you want to kill me? <laughs> I don't, don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no, no. No, you, you complete me. And now, and now, I don't think you can hinge uh, a movie just on one, you know, actress performance or one character. Right. And, and I think the rest of the movie rises to what he's doing. I really love it. I think it's a great movie. But it's wow, what he does is incredible. And I love they don't dive into the psychology of it. There's no, I love how every time he tells his origin story, it's different. Yeah, you don't get it's, the full explanation ever no, or a real one. It's great. He's he's terrifying and it's fun. And uh I know you're not a fan of, of Bale. I think he's great in this. You know, the one thing I, I'm not crazy about, and God, people have made fun of it now, but like, you know, his voice, what he does with his voice in the movie, but mm -hmm. I understand it. What do you mean? Yeah. You know what you're talking about. But I really you see think this, this is too much. <laughs> Nolan, should I go further? But you know Nolan, what? Is this too far? <laughs> but Pull me back. You're not pulling me back. All right, I'll go. I'll go further. <laughs> is it turning into Nolte now? You know, you wouldn't have Logan without this movie. You That's what I was just going to say. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. It so, was a table setter for Logan. Look, yeah. Christian Bale was very, very good. As Dick Cheney. I'm done. <laughs> He was. He was brilliant. Just Fantastic. Uh, off topic, though. Uh, Fredo, what's your number four? My number four is Brad Bird's The Incredibles. Yay! I love, love, good. love, love, love this movie. I yeah, saw it when it first came out with Kate. I love the look. I love the style, that, you know, 60s, <laughs> 70s, retro, yeah. mid-century look of the costumes, the architecture. You know, it reminds me, another movie that I thought, well, this could, this is really a superhero movie, is Brad Bird's Iron Giant. Which is one oh, of my yeah. favorite animated oh, movies see, as well. I've never I mean, that's, seen that. Oh, it's so good. You're going to see it next it's, summer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Superman. <laughs> it's it's an homage to Superman in so many ways. Um, I the performances are great. Yeah, and Brad Bird. I don't know if you know this. Brad Bird <laughs> plays the role of Edna Mode in it. Uh, it's one of the great, one of the greatest characters in a superhero movie ever. Okay, now Helen Hunt is, no. has nothing to do with this, right? No, no. Okay. Holly no. Hunter. Holly Hunter is in it. Holly Linda Hunter. Hunt, you're saying, is not in it. Not in it at all. 
This is a hobo suit, darling. Oh, you can't be seen in this. I won't allow it. Years ago, maybe, but now... Oh, what do you mean? You designed it. I never look back, darling. It distracts from the now. You need a new suit. That much is certain. A new suit? Oh, where the heck am I going to get a new you suit? You can't! It's impossible! I'm far too busy, so ask me now before I again become sane. Wait. You want to make me a suit? No, you push too hard, darling. But I accept. What's your number four, Dan? <gasps> What's your number four? <laughs> I can't tell what you're saying. <laughs> I don't I don't recognize <laughs> the Oh wait. <laughs> Superman Soup Man. <laughs> He brings soup to all the children of the world, <laughs> whether it's minestrone or something that tastes like minestrone, oh, he brings soup to the world. Superman, we talked about it at length already. Yes. I love it. Richard Donner's Superman. How did this human direct the toy? A question for the ages. <laughs> but this is a well put together damn movie, and I loved it. I gave it 9.5 earlier. Yeah. All right. My number four is Spider-Man 2. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. I'm a huge fan of, of Tom Holland and Spider-Man Homecoming, but I, I still think this is the best of all the Spider-Man movies, in my opinion. And This is the Molina one, right? It's yeah. the Alfred Molina. Yeah, it's Doc a good Doc. one. It's got a it's great one. I watched it a couple nights ago. I hadn't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, good. you know, it's, again, it's, it's, there's a, there's the Sam Raimi style. It's a little bigger than life. It's, you know, it's comic booky in a lot of ways, but my God, it's all heart. You know, it's visually, it's fantastic, but mm. it's also, it's all heart. And like Superman 2, it really comes down to that love story between Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Yes. You, at least I always, I, I want them to get together with every fiber <laughs> of my being. I think it does a great job of, of, um, you know, you, you talk about Tom Holland and he's the high school Spider-Man, but a lot of the Spider-Man I grew up with, he got out of high school pretty quickly. A lot of the, mm -hmm. those comics in the 70s and eight, it was his college years and his 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 grad school years he and that kind of thing. Columbia. And he was like, you know, and he I liked that. I liked this like, you know, the, the kid is out there in the real world and he's juggling being a superhero and the responsibility of all of that with just trying to have a life and make ends meet and try to have a girlfriend and try to pay his rent and try to help his aunt. I thought Sam Raimi just really kept he puts the screws to Peter Parker in this and the poor kid just doesn't get a break the whole movie until yeah. the very, very, right. very, very end. And uh, I've seen this film dozens of times and I have never not gotten a chill when Mary Jane shows up at Peter's apartment at the end. So here I am standing in your doorway. I've always been standing in your doorway. Isn't it about time somebody saved your life? We'll say something. Thank you, Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> Go get him, Tiger. It's uh, I think it's fantastic. And yes, and Alfred Molina's 
Doc Ock, the transformation scene, the subway fight. Oh, that's Those very are scary. classics. Yeah, that's very. That's, that's like very old timey horror. That that scene with that's the old timey Evil Dead. Uh, it's uh, evil dead. Uh, Sam Raimi. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's evil, very dead. evil Dead. And then the yeah, subway they each fight. Have their you own know. personality. Those arms. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even though, uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, you talk about the reality of it. it's New York City, but what what elevated train is in the middle of Manhattan? None. But, <laughs> you know, but you buy it and you just go along with it because it's like, it's just great. It's great fun. So And and he yeah. lives in, in Queens. He lives in Forest Hills, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Or he somewhere out Forest there. Hills. No, Forest Isn't that Hills. Great? That's, That's where, where you live, Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man 2. I love it. Oh, and, and my number then, three. Now it's time for my number three. Oh, good. Um, Avengers Endgame. I love that's my number three. Ah, that's a good one. Yes, I love, love, love Avengers Endgame. It's just a, I mean, it's a massive achievement. I, the portals scene alone is a massive oh, achievement, but the way it makes the me whole, cry thinking about oh, it when it's, they all come it's through. Epic, yeah, yeah, it's just fantastic. But you know, it's it's like how long? It's over three hours, right? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. But it's it's sprawling. It's huge. It had such the weight of the entire MCU on it to like try to stick the landing. I, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, the pressure on this thing, it's amazing yeah. that they're able to balance all the characters and all the plot lines and all the, the humor and the heart and the spectacle and the resolution of so, so many characters arcs and, uh. and, and managing an entire planet's worth of fans expectations for, <laughs> for, for bringing 22 movies over the finish line like that. It's, it's just beyond impressive, you know? And, and I, I feel like it should have won the same kind of Oscar that uh, Lord of the Rings return of the King one something it's basically an Oscar oh, for, for sustained excellence and, and really yeah. Yeah, completing a, a journey and that's just three movies this is 22 movies with all these different characters and directors <sighs> and the Russo brothers really bring it home in such a satisfying way you know it's it's great that some of those characters many of these characters will continue on from this it's not a a, a total closing of the door but for some of the main characters it is and uh and you know yeah the MCU will never be quite the same again and that's mm. Fine. It's interesting. We ha- we haven't had another MCU movie yet since since Endgame because of COVID. We didn't. Oh, get, you're right. Get yeah. Black Widow first year without one. Um, um, one thing about it, Endgame is not on my list, and um, I, I do like it very very much. I love. I stood up and cheered when I was like, "Oh, that's what this movie is going to be," which to me is the moment when they go back into the other movies. That mm-hmm. is, yeah, I love that fucking yeah. fantastic because it's back to the future. They're back to the future in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Rogers, I almost forgot that that suit did nothing for your ass. No one asked you to look, Tony. It's ridiculous. I think you look great, Cap. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. Talk to me about this, Captain Marvel. What does she have to do that's more important than saving half the people in the universe? Well, that's the whole thing. All right, I'll see you later. I got to go do something more important. What is that? Not. I got news for you. Nothing. We're going to find out. No, we're not. Sure, we're going to find out. In a Marvel sequel, that didn't. That was that was a big boo to me. I kind of went boo at the screen when that happened. Okay, well, stewing that, Dan. Well, she said there's lots (laughs) of planets going through. What do you think about it? I I don't know. I don't know. I think think they have a plan. I think they have a plan. I try. I. They don't have a plan. It was just an excuse to get her out of there because she's the most powerful being in the universe. Yes, she's too powerful. And the Russos didn't know anything. The movie hadn't been made yet. They filmed Endgame. Her parts of Endgame were filmed before there was a Captain Marvel movie. 
before she even filmed that movie. So yeah. they were like, we don't really know what to do with her. How You know, she's not going to be like the save the day, wrap up the whole. Infinity War th- ends with Nick Fury calling her on the beeper. Yes, to set up Captain Marvel. I think there will be a reason. I don't think Feige does. If Are we back to me? Are we on me? Yes. We, uh, no, we're no. It's actually uh, oh, Dan's trying sakes. to go to his okay. number three. All right, we'll, we'll go back then. I'll, 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 I'll bring back. that up. I'll bring it up. Yeah, when you I get bring to that time. up because it doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> what do you have to do? We have to get a get a get a cat on out of a tree on on crawl. Fuck you. What's what's Stay your number three? Help on us crawl. fight. Perp, help us fight purpley. Dan, it, you didn't the like Avengers, it. What's your? It's the goddamn <laughs> Avengers, the first one. I enjoyed that one the most out of all of these MCU movies. It was the most thrilling. It was the most, even though that you have that line about I'm always angry. I didn't care. It's, this is this is the movie. I wasn't that into Marvel. I wasn't that into comics, and I wasn't that into you know. I we said it before on this episode where it was like the after school Marvel hour or whatever it was, where where you got to see um, these you know these small versions of the cartoons. That was my only sort of thing, and I I didn't know from the Avengers. I knew nothing about it. But they had taught me through all of these movies to be ready for this this moment. And the payoff in this movie is huge. I think it's the most fun. They make it all make sense with the fact, you know, uh, Scarlett Johansson has that great line to uh, to uh, uh, who plays the Hawkeye. Jeremy Renner. Oh, Jeremy to Renner. Renner. To Renner about, hey, this is nothing we were trained for, you know, and and. Uh, it is destruction. It's it's massive wanton destruction that that has ripple effects through the whole rest of the time. And yeah. in a post 9-11 world, you have to do that. And they make it fun, you know, on top of on top of all that. It's uh, uh, um, a big step forward in the Captain America tale. Uh, and, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's not unlike the the uh, the message of the spider of the Tobey Maguire fight Spider-Man movies, which is with great power comes great responsibility. That kind of starts here. I love this movie. Fantastic. The Avengers. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Avengers. <laughs> it wasn't very popular. It's very obscure. Fred. Fred. Well, number three, <laughs> Avengers Endgame for me. Don't chime in. I don't. I, it's not my job to explain shit to you, Dan. Okay, it's my job to say what my favorite. Should, don't don't chime in. Don't chime in. Don't chime in. You chimed in enough on Baby's Day Out episode, and that's oh, it. <laughs> oh, now. Come no, on. Avengers okay. Endgame. Let me just look. <laughs> look, look. Here's the thing. Uh, th- Which here's was how- a worse moment? No, the don't. Mo- the no, mo- the I don't moment want to talk when about Captain Marvel tries to justify why she can't be here for the most important moment in the history of the universe or the entirety of Blade Runner. Good night. <laughs> oh, no. Why? Why? Welcome to the final episode of <laughs> Opening Weekend of Opening Weekend. 29 great Join ones. me on my solo podcast <laughs> next week. Why Blade Runner is awesome and fuck everyone else. Hang on, the phone's ringing. <laughs> Nick com. Nolte, what do you have to say? <laughs> no, yeah, let me talk I about my goddamn Blade movies. Runner three times. <laughs> I didn't know. I, oh, oh. No, that's a strip club. Golf. <laughs> Just want to talk about my favorite superhero. Yeah, movies. About, talk about about it. Avengers That's Endgame. That's all I want to do. Yeah, Blade Runner. <laughs> I'll run my blade. Listen, I'm not going to explain anything. And the reason why is because if this movie taught me anything, it's that Kevin Feige knows exactly what he's doing. And there will be a plan. And that will come up somehow. Who is Kevin and- Feige? 
He's the mastermind of the MCU. Okay, go ahead. And the fact that you don't know that is embarrassing to me. I, I, I'm ashamed. I oh thought my. it was a guy, a little guy you may have heard of called Stan Lee, Excelsior. That's different. But yes, he was a part of that. Listen, I'm, I, Jason, you said it all. Um, and I've, 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 I've made this statement before and I stand by it 100%. I think what Kevin Feige did, what the MCU did with these movies is one of, if not the greatest cinematic feat in history. And I will fight you to the grave. I will get bloody. I will spit in your eye. I will claw you. I, I, I truly think it is. And I, and I feel like what they did with this movie is it's, it's exactly like you said. It's just, it's a perfect wrap up the art and especially the arcs of the original characters, the Avenger, what they do with these yeah. characters, their arcs, are fucking gorgeous. They're beautiful. And especially with Cap and Iron Man. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just, they get, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. Of course we don't want it to end the way it does, Yeah. but it's perfect. And if nothing else, I mean, that, that, that portal scene, I cannot watch it without holding back sobs. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> great. It, and, and, and it's because it's all every moment, especially in that, and it, it's all earned. You know, mm -hmm. there's nothing that's just like, well, let's just do this for the fans. And I mean, yes, it's obviously for the fans, but every moment feels absolutely earned. And you've gone through 20 movies or 19 movies at this point. You've lived with these characters. So it, it, when they all show up, I mean, that it's the ultimate, you know, if you're a comic book fan, you know this term, it's the ultimate splash page, yeah. you know, at that yeah. end when yeah. it's that Avengers assemble moment. I mean, I've, I've said this to my friends who haven't seen these movies and they don't get it. And I, it's really, I feel like if you love movies, if you, if you love life, if you love being a, a decent human being, <laughs> go back and watch it. And look, you don't have to watch, you don't have to watch all of the movies to get to Endgame, but it would behoove you to do so. And I think, I feel like the payoff is so much richer when you do yeah. and you just realize, and that's why when you ask those questions, Dan, I feel like, you know what? I had a lot of questions during the movies. They were all answered. I, I feel like they have a plan. I feel like there's going to be, they, they will figure something out to make that work. They're not just going to let that go uh, because they didn't after 20 films, it all comes together in this. So that's yeah. my number three. Fantastic. What is your number two? My number two is a movie that was a little further up my list. And then upon rewatching and thinking about it, I moved it up. My number two is Black Panther. Yeah. Black Panther. Black Panther. Um, it's everything that you said, Dan. You know, it's, um, it just elevated everything. Oh, it, it, this major. was another a movie that, you know, I hold close to my heart too because I saw it with, with my family. And this was around the time when, especially Kate, my wife, was really getting into the MCU mm. and, and falling forward and really diving in. And it's, it, it's, it's more than it's, it's, a, it's a great superhero movie, but it's so much more than that. It's everything that you said, you know, yeah. it just, it, it changed the landscape. I mean, I just kept thinking, I mean, imagine being, you know, a young African American kid and going to see this movie mm -hmm. and seeing oh, yeah. these characters on the screen. And I mean, it's, it's, <sighs> That's why it, the it, ending when he the kid on the basketball court goes, exactly. who are you? And he just smiles. Oh yeah. my God. I so mean, it, great. it's so relevant and who of our time, awesome. but it's completely timeless. And it, yeah. you know, it's, it's shooting this, 
this deep history, there's, there's a nobility, there's a history, there's a mythos, and every character, every, I mean, God, you got, I mean, obviously Chala, but Okoye, Shuri, Nakia, yeah. Mbaku, you know, they're all yeah. great, they're fully rich. fleshed out, three-dimensional yeah. uh, three characters. And then Killmonger, and you talked about him before. Yeah. I think he's one of the best villains that the MCU has gotten because yeah. it's all justified. It's you know, I was thinking about this, yeah. it, it's so personal and it's, you know, there's, it's it just, it, it really, it, it's so much, like I said, it's just so much more than just a superhero movie. You know, it, it's, you know, uh, liberation and oppression and isolationism and, 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 and revolution. It's, the, you know, the, the, it's Shakespearean, Yeah. you know, their relationship. Yeah. I think of mm -hmm. all of these movies, it's so Shakespearean. It's um, you feel for Killmonger, you really do. You feel absolutely. for him. You feel for his his. You know, he's deeply so flawed. He's like still yeah. I get it. I and get there's why just, he feels this way. It, there's a responsibility to the movie, and it yeah. meets it. And Ryan Coogler fucking meets it head. Yeah. On. And, you know, and all of that, because I don't want to, you know, it's not just like important movie in quotes. It is sure. an important movie. It's a fucking important movie. And yeah. I think this movie will be seen as just as important in terms of African-American filmmaking as Do the Right Thing was, if not mm -hmm. more. Like this is going to mm -hmm. out. This movie is going to be looked at yeah. and studied for generations. It's huge, but it's also fun as fucking hell. And it's <laughs> yeah. a great superhero movie. It's heartbreaking to me on so many levels. I mean, I also know his family as well, uh, but that 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 Chadwick's gone. I mean, yeah. it's you know, you just think my because to me that was where that was where the MCU was going. Yeah. You know, it was yes. going to be yeah. he was going to be taking over. That's what it was, and they'll mm. figure it out. But my God, the possibilities! Thank you. You saved me. You saved my family. Oh, Anisha. There is nothing to thank me for. It is our duty to... It was my duty to fight for what I love. My number two. Oh. It's a little movie. It's actually the entire series. But if we have to make it a movie, we'll make it a movie. Hmm. It's the Incredible Hulk series. <laughs> With Bill Bixby. Look how mad as, Fred is. No, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Because <laughs> Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, something else. You know what? He, the, an the, accidental the, overdose of gamma radiation goes into his thing. When he, becomes angry, his thing. when he becomes angry or outraged, a metamorphosis occurs. Yeah, da, da, da. What's better than that? Fucking nothing. It, it is. Um, you it don't is like fantastic. me when I'm angry. I mean, this was my show growing up. This was my show. I had the giant poster I told you about it of the Hulk in standing in the desert, which made no sense. And it, this was my show. I never missed it. I loved it. But if we need to do a movie, <laughs> The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, where he teams up with Dale, Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah. Written, uh, directed by Bixby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Trial of the Incredible Hulk, where he teams up with Daredevil, played by Rex Smith. Mm. It's fucking terrific. Mm. You know who plays Kingpin? Oh, I don't oh. remember. John Rice Davies. Uh, Davies. Yeah, John Rice Davies. Oh. And he's terrific. 
Give it a watch. It's really good, you I, guys. Yeah, I saw it when it was on TV, whatever oh. that was in the 80s or in early 90s yeah, or something. Yeah, I remember but, going uh, fucking crazy for it. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. The show was on in the late 70s, early 80s, but mm-hmm. Trial of the Incredible Hulk was 89, was, was quite a while after that. It was like 89, 80, yeah. 89. Really? This is superheroes to me. This is my childhood. This is my nostalgia. Mm-hmm. This is my, you know, my bread and butter as far as superheroes goes because, you know, he's this lonely a uh, guy who's got to hitchhike his way to the next, you know, to the next town and put on the next, you know, B name identity and and help someone else, you know, whether it's a race car driver or, you know, whoever he's got to help in the next episode, <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I, I never missed a single episode of it. Bill Brick, Bill Bixby is fucking brilliant in it. Ferrigno's great. Uh, they're, they're, and it's a very unusual series. There's never been anything like it on TV before or since, I don't think. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. My number two, Superman, the movie. Yay! Yay. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it for a very long time. <laughs> when? So I, didn't I will it. leave it at that. I know, you were sleeping. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the original Superman, it's just still as I said in the intro to the granddaddy of them all. And I still think it holds up incredibly well. And Christopher Reeve is just perfection. And I don't think there'll ever be a, I don't know. I don't think there'll ever be a Superman to match him. This country is safe against Superman. Thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, warden. We're all part of the same team. Night. My number one, here's where I <gasps> do my little cheating. Oh, here Uh-oh. we go. It's the Dark Knight trilogy. Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises as oh, one one sustained achievement in filmmaking God. by Christopher Nolan. Even on its own, The Dark Knight would have been my number one. It would have topped the list just by itself, definitely. It, would, it wouldn't have fallen anywhere else. But I think Christopher Nolan actually did something that is rarely seen in you know, obviously we've said Kevin Feige and the MCU, they've done had quite an epic achievement over the course of uh, 22 movies. But in terms of one series, one trilogy, uh, I feel like what Nolan has done, he actually has made all three of those films feel essential to the larger story of Bruce Wayne. He ultimately makes the mm-hmm. first Batman movies that are about Batman. Mm-hmm. They're, it's, uh, as mm-hmm. good as Keaton is, yeah. yep. as good, good as Keaton is, it's still Joker steals the show. Penguin steals the show. (laughs) Burton is more interested in those characters in some weird way or, or can express himself better through those characters. I have, and will go on and on about the genius of Heath Ledger. As you say, you've really said it all, Fred, but I know we are going to take a look at the dark Knight. Uh, It's on our schedule for, um, for the future. I'm excited for that rewatch Um, actually. Yeah. It's, he's just so brilliant. What you said about Brando is right on the money. I remember seeing it and just being, like getting chills watching him. I just thought yeah. this is an amazing performance. So we'll, and we'll go into it more, but I do feel like Batman begins and especially dark Knight rises, which really honestly like would have made, it would have made my top five, even if I hadn't cheated to get it in there, it would have been there. Something else would have fallen off. If, if That's I couldn't, the third one. if I couldn't separate them. The out. That's one, the yeah. third one, which I like often gets, one. I really love it. And sometimes yeah. it goes neck and neck with, for me with the dark Knight, I just, because I just think after the dark Knight and after Heath Ledger passed, it was such, it was like, what are you going to do? Like, you're never going to top Heath Ledger a Mm. and B you don't have him around 
to try to thread him in and finish the larger arc with him because he lives at the end of that movie. The character Joker lives mm. at the end of that movie. And so you're going to have to do these kind of weird gymnastics to avoid him or what? Yeah. At, 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 Nolan solves that by just not out of respect for Heath Ledger. He says, I'm not going to mention Joker. Yeah. I'm not going to make an excuse. I'm not going to recast it. Interesting. I'm just going to move on in the story. And he skips eight years ahead and picks up again. And he does a very masterful job of threading in the Harvey Dent stuff from The Dark Knight, the yeah, Rachel Dawes right. stuff from both movies, the Ra's al Ghul and League of Shadows stuff from the first yeah. movie. He oh, kind Jesus. of takes everything wow. else at his disposal from the other movies that's not Heath Ledger and makes that essential almost to the point where he pulls off this magic trick. And Nolan is great at magic tricks. That's his thing <laughs> of saying you almost as amazing and wonderful and iconic as the Joker and Heath Ledger are. You almost don't even need him to resolve this story and to really yeah. and to make the arc of Bruce Wayne full. He was a monkey wrench thrown in. He was chaos. He was the <laughs> yeah. chaos element thrown into the middle of this long narrative in a strange way. It's like it begins with Bruce and Batman and yeah. it ends with Bruce and Batman. And I just think it's I think I think all three of them are exceptionally thrilling, satisfying movies. And as I say in my solo show, The Dark Knight Rises is actually the only one of those films, as much as I admire and love them all, that really moved me emotionally. The, the resolution of his story huh. really, really, really moved me. I won't bury you. I've buried enough members of the Wayne family. You don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. Not everything. Not yet. I think that trilogy is pretty amazing. There's my number one. Fantastic. Daniel. Well done, Jason. Well done. Um, my number one. You know what it is. What is it? Superman 2. Superman 2, directed yeah. by Richard Lester. <laughs> Richard goddamn Lester. I had never seen the Richard Donner cut until two days ago. I slogged through that hot mess of shit. <laughs> oh, no. And I wish it never existed. I watched that and I went, oh, this is the guy who made the toy. <laughs> what? Oh. A massive, vile, vomitous oh. piece of shit that <gasps> really? Richard Donner I've been so curious to see is. it, but now I won't. Don't, don't, okay. don't. It violates the first rule of filmmaking. Show, don't tell. <laughs> Richard Donner chooses to tell everything. And I mean <laughs> everything. It's stupid. Fuck the Richard Donner cut. Anyway. <laughs> Superman 2 by Richard Lester, whether he did 20% of it, 40% of it, I don't care. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's magical. The Eiffel Tower scene, thank God. Thank God that's in there. I love it. Not in the Richard Donner cut. He gets rid of it. Dumbass. It is wonderful. Rick, did you watch? Richard did Donner's you rewatch it for this list? Did you rewatch Superman, Superman 2? 2? The, the, uh, no the original to. version? 
Don't need okay. to. I've seen it 436,000 times. I did. I, I watched it a couple of nights ago I again. Yeah, I love it so much. Everything worked. I was thrilled to it. I remember vividly seeing it with my <laughs> sister in the theater when he goes back and beats up the bully guy in the bar, in <laughs> yes. that restaurant in the middle of the tundra, oh wherever God. the fuck yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, she, and he's holding his hand like this and going, ah, and he slides him down the counter into the <laughs> pinball machine. I remember my sister and I howling like lunatics when that happened because it was so funny and such a great retribution, you know, moment. I love the fact that Superman's got to lose it all. He loses everything, everything, everything. And then he's got to fucking walk his goddamn ass back to the Fortress of Solitude (laughs) and and get it back. This Superman is nothing of the kind. I've discovered his weakness. Yes. He cares. He actually cares for these Earth people. Like pets? I suppose so. Richard Lester, if you're listening, (laughs) thank you for saving us from Richard Donner and his terrible cut of Superman 2. Even though I love Superman 1, it's number four on my lift. Richard, Richard Donner is a wonderful filmmaker, but I love Superman 2. <laughs> Bravo. You. Excellent. Fred, you close us out with your number one oh, superhero yay, movie Fred. of all time. And I'm gathering, I think I know what it must be now, but. My number one superhero movie of all time is Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, for many, many reasons. For uh, the reasons about the movie itself, but also just on a personal level, I mentioned before that my family became, we, we became, we became an MCU family. Mm -hmm. And this was the movie where that really happened. And, uh, I have Jason, uh, bought me a beautiful Mondo Mm -hmm. Endgame poster, which I have right underneath, uh, another gorgeous Mondo Infinity War poster. And I look at those every single day. They're right Mm -hmm. in the stairs down to our basement. And I love them both. But the Infinity War poster I got when I originally got it, it, like I love the artwork, but it was also like it's to me it's it reminds me of my family. It's a family oh, poster wow. because you know Kate and I when when Ben was born, my son Iron Man had just come out. That was the first movie that Kate and I saw together. You know, my my brother in law and sister in law watched Ben. And we went to see this movie. <laughs> we loved it. Saw it several times. And then after that, Kate sort of fell off. She didn't, you know, I kept up with the MCU movies. She wasn't too into it. It wasn't her thing. That was right around the time that I started to get back into comics. She was like, well, I don't don't really understand it. Like what's, and I would try to explain the mythology behind it and like how everything is Mm. connected and things build off of the history. And even though they've been, you know, and she, she would try to understand it. She didn't really. Then the kids come along. I watched the first Avengers. That was the first movie I watched with Ben. Uh, I don't remember how old he was. That was the first one. And then slowly started to introduce him. And I I was taking my time because like, I remember I didn't want them to see the winter soldier right away Mm -hmm. because you know, it's, it's, that's a more, it's an intense movie. Anyway. So as they're getting older, they're starting to watch them. They're getting into it. At this point I'm doing Lion King at night. So they're catching up on the movies with Kate at home mostly. And so I'm calling them an intermission. Uh. And suddenly I'd be like, what are you doing? And Kate's like, oh, we're watching, you know, don't you name a movie? She'd be like, we're watching Doctor Strange, you know, which is something that I already saw in the theaters with Ben. And she's getting it. And suddenly she's like, wait a minute. So holy shit, we went, because they weren't watching in order, but they were jumping back. And Uh. she's realizing, oh my God, so Bucky is this and what? And they're putting everything together and they're watching the end scenes. I'm like, yeah, it all 
She didn't get it. She didn't Mm. understand that they all tied together. So that being said, when we went to see Infinity War, that was at the point where the kids and Kate were completely caught up in all the movies. They knew, you know, Hmm. it culminated in in Black Panther. We saw that. So when we went to Infinity War, we went, I remember because I was doing a matinee that day, so we had to see like an eight in the morning showing. It's because we wanted to see it. We wanted to see it together. We wanted to see it opening weekend. So we went into that movie as a fully formed MCU family, (laughs) just fucking ready for it. And it didn't disappoint. Titan was like most planets. Too many mouths, not enough to go around. And when we faced extinction, I offered a solution. Genocide. But random, dispassionate, fair to rich and poor alike. They called me a madman. And what I predicted came to pass. Congratulations, you're a prophet. I'm a survivor. Who wants to murder trillions. With all six stones, I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist, and I call that mercy. And then what? I finally rest and watch the sunrise on a grateful universe. My favorite comics were always the team-ups. You know, the big Mm -hmm. team-ups where suddenly you have these disparate characters and these characters that really shouldn't be together are together. And this movie handles that so well. And there's so many characters in this movie and the Russo brothers handle it beautifully. There's there's no plot holes. There's nothing that's just glossed over. I mean, having... Having Tony Stark and Doctor Strange and Bruce Banner and Wong all together, that scene, the scene between Strange and and Tony Stark. Oh, it's a great scene. Fan, that's a great sa- scene. You know, saving your reality, douchebag. I mean, that's just, <laughs> just seeing all those characters together, you know, then Spider-Man's there and then they go into fucking space. You know, then on top, you're like, oh my God, how fucking cool is that? Those guys are together. Then, oh my God, Thor and the Guardians. And then- yeah. The Guardians meet Tony Stark and Doctor Strange, and they're all on a planet together. Like, that's an incredible scene right there. The scene where they almost get the gauntlet. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, oh and, uh, yeah, Pratt God. messes it up. That's It's yeah. amazing. Ugh. There's not a slow moment in it. It just moves. It moves. You feel the stakes the whole time. And that, again, is because fucking Brolin as Thanos is so good. Yeah. I, I just remember all of us looking at, at each other at the end. We were, I mean, my kids were practically in tears. Yeah. You know, Kate sure. too. Like, wait, that's that's how it ends. Now, yeah. you know, and even though you know, <laughs> you know right. there's going to be another movie oh, and there's already, there's already so a Spider-Man well. movie. Yeah. You don't, but you're, but like, how are they going to do it? How are they yeah. going to do it? What yeah. are they? It, and it, it was so brave, I think, you know, and when. I don't know. I got so angry when critics were like, "Yeah, but we know they're coming back." And I remember at the time, critics there were critics again, you know, wondering like, you know, what was going on? They didn't explain things. And again, I was like, "Fuck you! You're a movie critic. It's your job to see these movies. You've had, you know, almost twenty movies. They're not playing catch up anymore." No, it's a great, magnificent, beautiful, big superhero movie, and it's the one that I always go back to. I. That's the, like I said, I stare at that poster every day. I see it mm. every day when I go down to my basement for anything. And I just think, 
that's, that's our family. I, mean, I said that to Kate when I was going to, when I first bought it, you know, and Kate was like, really, you want to spend that much money on a poster? I'm like, it's not just a poster though. Like that to me represents <laughs> us. That's something that Aww. we did Aww. as a family and we all loved. And yeah, I can, I can watch that movie any, any time. That's beautiful. That I think beautiful. that's a perfect way to end this episode. I'm so glad it, I'm so glad it fell out that you, you know, yeah. you had the, your la- the last number one and the last word. Cause that you can't, it's, there's nothing more special than that. That's really, yeah, that's wonderful. For I'm glad we didn't end on my hatred of Richard Donner. <laughs> I know. Nice. Isn't that better? We still can. There's still time. No, no. <laughs> we, we, let, let's let me tell here. you how much I fucking hate. I'm going to get him on the time phone. <laughs> this was so much fun, you guys. It was so fun. It was so fun. It that's it, stuff. everybody. That's our top 10 lists, our favorite superhero movies of all time. They're good lists. I'm, some of the stuff you had on there, I'm... I'm like regretting that I didn't find a place for it, but it was just kind of mm. impossible. It was it was it, it was an impossible task, and I actually think between our three lists, we kind of oh, hit everything, everything, everything that I, I would so, have put yeah. on that I, you know what I mean, yeah. that didn't fit on, like Infinity War, Spider Verse, Incredibles. It's it's yeah. all there. It was it was not easy coming up with the list, but it was really really fun. Yeah, digging into these with yeah. you guys. Yeah, let us know what you think. Opening weekend podcast. Yes, audience. let us know what your favorite yeah. superhero movies are. Love we'll we'll happily talk about superheroes uh, <laughs> again. <laughs> Maybe we'll do another special episode on it. Um, next week. Next week. Oh, next week is. Uh, what, are you want to do it next week? No. Well, we could. Uh, our next episode. We are. We are up to episode number thirty. Whoa! Now we're up to our 30th episode of opening weekend and Incredible. we're wrapping up the year. Uh, 2020 is finally mercifully coming to an end. And oh, uh, I think God. we're going to do something a little special. We're going to kind of have a, a little bit of a holiday party of sorts. Uh, we're going Yay. to kind of hand out arbitrarily hand out some, <laughs> some little, uh, some little tokens of our affection for ourselves. We're going to ah. have the first maybe annual. We'll see how it goes. Golden <laughs> Sheila awards. Where yes. we yeah. kind they're of like uh, our Dundies. Yeah. There are Dundies. Absolutely. <laughs> where we kind of, uh, remember some of our favorite moments from our first 30 episodes of podcasting, uh, our favorite episodes, our favorite movies that we saw, our least favorite movies, mm. our favorite mm. arguments about movies, our mm. favorite phone calls that we got mm. from members, various members of the arthropod squad and <laughs> others. And others. Uh, yeah. And others. Our yeah, favorite were, hand farts. Yes. Oh. Our favorite manualist uh, feats. From the from the sweaty palms of Dan Matisa, yeah. Thank um, you. yeah there's going to be we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, Let us know if you if the listeners out there if you ha- if you have some uh, nom- nominations. Yeah, we yeah. want to hear. We want to hear from you. Your yeah. favorite, yeah, favorite moments from uh, from our first twenty nine episodes. Please uh, uh, let us know. Send us an email at most depressing memory from Dan's childhood. <laughs> please, please, I want to know. Yes, Most homoerotic place that I visited in my childhood that wasn't homoerotic, but just sounded homoerotic. Right. Yes. Just text Fred if you're one of the people who, who, who joined him on those escapades. And, uh, you know, for everybody else, you can you can email us at info at opening weekend podcast.com right that's i said that right yeah, that yeah. find us on the facebook uh, or the twitter on, or the, the instagram exactly um mm. yeah and let us know and we'll and we'll we'll include your thoughts and your memories uh from our first 29 episodes i'm sure we'll have beverages we'll have some drinks and uh and uh it'll be it'll be a fast and loose uh 
end of 2020 episode for us at opening weekend. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, Dan, I think I have an idea what you got for us, but maybe you'll <laughs> surprise me. can hand fart oh my god that was exceptional uh, that was majestic super, man thank you thank you thank you i'm gonna go put my hands in ice <laughs> like captain america uh thanks everybody Bye. see you next week the opening weekend podcast is produced by jason o'connell fred berman and dan matisa with editing by jason o'connell and sound mixing by fred berman Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.